0: Holman, I'm thinking that we call this episode, number 226, we call this the recovery episode. What do you think? Well, since I came
1: up with that before you hit record, <laughs> I think it's a great idea.
0: <laughs> Damn. I was going to try to convince him that I came up with it. No, no, that's your title. You did uh, hatch that, and I, uh, I like it because in this episode of the Shark Show podcast, we're going to be checking in with uh, Justin Andrews of Factor 55 about, cl- help me out, closed loop recovery. You could
1: say that, sure. Close
0: loop Recovery, okay.
1: Yep. And really just a uh, uh, made-in-the-USA, American uh, product, American story, how it got started, where they are today, and how they became you know a premium accessory to uh, winching and recovery products.
0: And speaking of recovery, we've got uh, Ben Palmer from 406 Garage, but he's bringing a buddy of his, Casey Liddell, correct, Casey Liddell?
1: Yeah, and so I think Ben is down here because he was recovering his dream car. So, not Literally. a little
0: bit outside of the <laughs> circle. I'm sure he'll
1: talk about that. Yeah. And with Ben is his buddy, uh, Casey Liddell, who uh, owns a company out of Oregon called Cascade Heavy Rescue. And he has a YouTube channel, at Casey Liddell, where he goes out and uh, does his exploits of recovering things. Exploits? Sure. He, he saves
0: people. He saves people, He's yeah. He's a do gooder. He is a do gooder. Before we get into this episode, which, uh, wait, I'm sorry, the recovery episode. Let's try Wait, that again. Let me, hold on, let me that, that was awful. Yeah, it was awful. Know, that check, was check, awful. Check, 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 check. Too much echo.
1: The <laughs> no,
0: I'm recovery not. is so. I'm not feeling it.
1: All right. Well, that not This is episode uh, 226, the recovery episode. Simply put. All right, uh, lighting. We are going to uh, start this show by thanking Nissan uh-huh. for being our presenting sponsor. Uh, So our friends over at Nissan have this great little midsize truck, probably one of the best looking trucks out on the market. They're hard to find right now because they're selling so hot. In fact, the, uh, what was it, last month, they were the second best selling uh, midsize truck in the U.S.
0: Which is amazing. Which is
1: awesome. Slow
0: clap. Oh, wait. A slow clap actually should be slow, right?
1: Right. That was fast. (laughs) Uh, Okay. I'm not sure what the cadence was on that.
0: Yeah, no, uh, poor tempo.
1: Listen, if you guys are out there and you're looking for a great little midsize truck, most horsepower in its class, 9-speed automatic, 3.8 liter, dual over can V6, Mm -hmm. Sounds great, quiet, runs great, great fender audio, zero gravity seats, spray-in bed liner. Utilitrack. Utilitrack with the aluminum cleats, not the plastic ones Which that everybody means else you has. you can
0: slide them back and forth from the, head of the, from the cab
1: all the way to the tailgate. And if you load it up with a Pro 4X, you get full skid plating, Bill Stein shocks, a rear locker, all-terrain tires, all the things you want. It's a great-looking truck, super dependable, mm-hmm. and you can find that at your local Nissan dealer. Or you can head down to NissanUSA.com, where you can build in price. Or if you need a little bit more truck than that, the Nissan Titan and Titan XD have the best warranty in their
0: class. Five-year, 100000 mile. model. Holman, I have a question for you. What happens with the hot air, the hot compressed air that exits your turbo before it makes its way into the cylinder on maybe your Cummins, your Duramax, your Ford? Well, if it's an old uh, mid-90s
1: indirect-injected diesel... Uh, it just bakes the inside of your engine before it gets baked again. Uh-huh. So that, that hot air, that hot, not very dense air, right? That's, that just, that's, that's good for combustion, right? Right. Super, super awesome. No, oh. Which is why manufacturers went to intercoolers and all modern trucks have them. However, listen guys, let's be honest. These plastic capped intercoolers that you're getting from your truck, from the factory... They fail a lot. They blow boots. They crack, all that stuff. If you're looking for an intercooler solution that's going to flow more air, make it cooler, make it denser, and give you more power, then you want to head over to bankspower.com where you can check out
0: their wide range of intercoolers that'll fit your truck. This may surprise you, Holman, is that an intercooler, in many cases, can contribute as much horsepower as the turbo itself. It sounds bonkers. I does I, sound bonkers. But I've watched the man <laughs> himself, Gail Banks, calculated on a piece of paper in front of me, and it's jaw-dropping. So what you're saying is
1: if you have a modern diesel or even an older diesel, and even if it has an intercooler, that if you put a Banks Power intercooler in, that you should see more power, more response. You see
0: more fuel economy, too, with that the, denser air charge? Yeah, because you can maintain the same horsepower with less fuel. How about EGTs? Lower EGTs. So what you're telling me is, if I do
1: nothing at all to my new truck, I mm-hmm. should consider a Banks intercooler.
0: No, I would say do a ram air intake first, and then exhaust, and then an intercooler. And but then, an then intercooler, then a tuner, <laughs> and then uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> no, the whole it's, product line. It's
0: definitely okay, but if it's you can, on the list.
1: But if you can only choose one, mm-hmm. and you got to do any, meeny, money, mo, make sure one of those is an intercooler. Well, I'm saying this: if you tow heavy,
0: then the intercooler does rise to the top.
1: What if you uh, live in mountainous regions or?
0: High and hot, like in the desert. High and hot. If you're in Denver, you need an intercooler. Bad. You need a Banks intercooler. BanksPower.com. Enter your year-making model to see what they've got for you. Some people want to go off-road. So they better have that four-wheel
2: mode. Others need to carry a load. Or something else that's got to be told. We don't care if you drive a heat. We don't care if it's
3: a brand new G. I do. We put the G in the GMC. Yeah. Aww, shucks. Let's talk trucks. Yeah, let's talk
1: trucks.
0: It's growing on me. I, yeah. I'm liking it more and more. I I, I don't want to scare people into thinking that we're going to get rid of the original intro. No, we're
1: going to play it right now because we have to. But here's what I'm saying. Guys, listen to my voice. Listen to the words I'm speaking through my mouth hole. If the Truck Show podcast were to ever go dark and disappear because Lightning and I got fired, I would say within a week of us disappearing google or type in let's talk trucks podcast and you might find us again <laughs> <laughs> the truck
2: show
0: we're gonna show you what we know we're gonna answer what the truck because truck rides with the truck show we have the lifted we have the lowered and everything in between we'll talk about trucks that run on diesel that run on gasoline The Truck Show The Truck Show The Truck Show whoa, whoa. It's The Truck Show With your hosts, Lightning and Holman Yeah, that's us Let's talk trucks <laughs> No, 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 don't Don't deflower Wait, deflower? Don't de- defile Do de- defile Easy, like Yes, deflower oh, That's a very different word Defile, like <laughs> Deflower Oops <laughs> Why do you keep repeating
1: it? It's bad enough you let it slip the first time, and then you had to say it four more times. I uh, just,
0: uh, it's, it's a funny slip.
1: <sighs> All right. Um, <laughs> I, I have nothing more to say to you other than let's call uh, Justin Andrews over at Factor 55 and uh, see if he can save us from ourselves. Uh, hold on a second.
0: Is that because it's the recovery episode? It's because
1: we want to just, let's talk trucks. <laughs> okay.
3: This is
0: Justin. Justin, it is Lightning and Holman from the Truck Show Podcast. How What's you doing? Happening?
3: Good, man. How are you guys doing?
0: We're doing outstanding, and uh, we've got so many questions for you. But before we can get to it, we've got a silly intro to play. Don't move. Welcome to the Parts Department. Screw, nut, filter, oil, grill. Tools, wheels, tires, brakes, lights, gears, belts, and your wife warns you not to Don't you spend our money. And then you'll want to come back.
1: Lightning, don't do it. I'm not gonna do it. Don't do it. No,
0: I will I have to. I have to. No. Oh my wife likes it because we're not. No, no, no. no. It rescued us from a creek when we were down on the creek and Factor 55 stuff got us out of the creek. Oh the horse is flat.
1: The horse is flat. (laughs) Justin, you don't know what's going on here, but but Lightning thinks it's funny to do the same bit coming out of this uh, intro every single time. So for literally four years and almost two hundred (laughs) and fifty episodes, Lightning says the same tired old joke. Week
0: after week. Because it comes full circle. It does not come full yes, circle. It does. <laughs> if you do a joke and it doesn't. So at first no, it's funny. No, full
1: circle. No, full circle would be you play that jingle and then you say, how do we winch this tired old joke out of the way safely and then i say with a closed loop witching system and then justin says hi i'm from factor 55 (laughs) and then we get into it and you want to know we know what a full circle is closed loop witching, where there is no break it's all circle and then it's safe and a stupid joke isn't
0: around anymore you got it (laughs) you know what justin Uh, i I wish you could see i wish you could see the vein popping out of his neck Right. Yeah. Look at my pulses; it's doing Morse code right now. I know, I know, I know. I enjoy That's it That's so, so good. I'm not going to stop. Sorry, Justin, for that intro. We apologize. <laughs> no, it's wonderful. That, yeah. that
3: is phenomenal.
0: Right. Happy
1: to be I a
3: mean, pleasure to be a part
0: of it. Phen- phenomenal, like the uh, the equipment
1: provided by uh, Factory Fifty Five. Yeah. Well, I feel to, like uh, I
0: need a more official. We are deeply sorry. We're not sorry. Yeah. We're, we're sorry. Just, uh, you're sorry. You're sorry. No, we're we're sorry. You we're say
1: sorry. on behalf of the show. Uh, I've. Nothing to we're be sorry for. Sorry. Yeah, we're sorry. <laughs> all right, so uh, Factor Fifty Five, which uh, is uh, one of the best darn uh, recovery companies I have ever come across, and so
0: can I. All right, so I am going to start from being the layman in the room, sure, right? And and I was going to our Pro Expo and Sandsports Expo and such, and I was shopping around for a system for my big for the Rock Crusher, the big dually, and I didn't know what I was looking for, but I kept coming back to Factor Fifty Five because it just looked so well engineered. It just—they checked every box, and I fell in love with it because of the engineering. And I didn't know a whole lot about closed loop. Did you fall in love with it being made in America? Uh, I actually did. Every box has a little "Made in America" sticker. It's that little tinfoil sticker that's stuck on there. That's got the American flag. That's I know because I own it. Boise, well, right? Idaho,
3: man. Yep. That's exactly yep. right.
0: So, can you give us kind of the uh, the backstory, how it all happened? If like, if we we rewind the clock. What's the history behind Factor 55?
3: Yeah, so, uh, you know, the company was started about 10 years ago. Um, our founder, Mike Costa. Uh, Mike was a, uh, worked for Ford Aerospace and Lamb Research, uh, but he was always an avid Toyota rock crawler. So, I mean, he still has a, toy, uh, you know, an 83 Hilux on 40s. He had narrowed a Dana 70, a Dana 60, and he's got one of the first original Marlin crawler boxes underneath the thing. I mean, it's, I mean, it's badass. I mean, it's this badass truck that he's had, and used on the Rubicon, you know, forever. And so he was up there wheeling the Rubicon back in the, uh, the early 80s with Chris Collard and uh, all these guys, right? And so it was, um, you know, in his mind as he was going through this and kind of, you know, I was thinking about this pre-internet, like you're hunting around, like he was hunting around hot, shot, you know, hot rod shops and all these things trying to figure out how to put 35s and 37-inch tires at that time, you know, and like, 81, 82, I mean, that's crazy, right? To think about something that's so commonplace anymore for like our builds and what we do now. But th- during that time, he was always kind of working on military satellites and semiconductors and doing all these things, but was always in the back of his mind thinking about, well, what was a way to make winching safer? Mostly because, you know, the winching was still inundated with steel cable um, and just uh, the conventional winch hooks and all these things. And it was still pretty, you know, still kind of a fairly new situation. You know i mean even when you think of like recreational winches only really coming into the spotlight uh maybe even as you know as early as the uh mid 50s uh and on it just hadn't been around that long right so uh, he had always kind of had this thing in his mind so when he finally uh, moved to uh, idaho uh, funny enough our cad engineer was actually living here and uh, mike and our cad engineer greg had been friends uh, since first grade (laughs) so it turns out that they came together, finally had some time to uh, work on some things, and just poof, Factor 55 was born.
0: So when, when you say it was born, he started machining one piece? Like, wh- where where was it born? Like, where did he give yeah, birth so, to first? Yeah, so
3: the, yeah, the ProLink product, the original uh, Winchline Shackle mount. there had already been, like, you know, the introduction of synthetic rope and that kind of stuff was starting to come into play, especially in the early 2000s. And we saw that from a lot of other companies where, you know, you're seeing these adaptive things coming out of the marine industry or or sailing coming into off-road uh but nothing there was never a dedicated shackle mount for steel cable right and for steel cable users and what was something that would work without having to splice uh, winch rope what was something that could be done that was like um you know what was something that could be done that could be easily put on and off the product so that's where the very first winch line shackle mount product being the ProLink, was the first thing that was kind of developed uh, and machined, and that's kind of like the first basis of Factor Fifty Five, where it came from.
0: And did he hire out? Was he doing it in his garage? Did he, did he buy a big Haas like four axis machine or something? I mean, uh, they- yeah.
3: So the first, yeah. So the first ones I was just started uh, with a local machine shop here in town, right? It Was an idea and was a design, and then went in there to go into uh, production. You know what I mean? Just to kind of start the basis of the company, and then it went in a full build out to, you know, now there's second buildings and you know, all, you know, in a full blown shop and uh, office spaces and the whole thing that we have now, right? So, yeah, it started out with just go walking into a place with an idea and a design and uh, FEA modeling and all these things that he did from his uh, engineering background and trying to bring that uh, the same kind of strict uh, protocols that he used for military satellites into um, off-road recovery
1: equipment. Which is kind of cool because when we talk to entrepreneurs and we have a lot on the show, um, you know, there's a lot of people who are out there who have a product, but they don't have a company. Factor 55 has been one of those organizations, I guess companies now if you will, that turned a product into an entire product line and then also an entire philosophy that has revolutionized winching, which if you think about it, you know, recovery has always been needed as long as guys have been going off road, but techniques have evolved and and this was one of those major leaps forward when Factor 55 came on the scene.
3: Yeah, I mean, it was really kind of an interesting thing to be a part of like in fact, you know, first and foremost, one of the things Um, You know, like even with the name of the company, a lot of people ask us all the time, well, what does Factor 55 mean? Like, where did it even come from? And so one of those things where like the factor basis, you know, was really comes from precision engineering and factoring down to the minute details of an item and a product to making it the best possible way we absolutely can. And then the 55, you know, other than alliteration purposes is actually here in Boise, Highway 55 starts in Boise, which runs straight north through the entire state of Idaho. So it's even kind of a throwback to being a little local for where we're from and, and uh, where the company is still still based at where we make our products.
0: And what were some of the early tests that uh, he went through to to validate these things? I mean, you're pulling 10,000 pound full size, one ton trucks uh, out of ravines, things like that. How do you determine where this thing breaks and becomes potentially, you know, a, a missile?
3: Yeah, so it all started with the uh, FAE modeling. And uh, what does that stand for? Element, finite? finite element. Yeah, finite element analysis. Thank you. And so uh, a lot of FEE modeling is done um, when it comes to satellites and um, different types of uh, equipment that gets used for the military and that kind of thing. And so it's something that is always being consistently done when it comes to designing parts. So initially it always started out with sending out the drawings uh, and the engineering drawings out the, to have an FEE, an FEA, uh, model done, so that way we could already just generalize. so it's basically a theorized layout to say okay well, if we look at this part, what do we think just based off of the aluminum uh, the the type of aluminum it's used, the density of the material, right it's stretching factors, et cetera, et cetera you know we can you can get a you can get pretty close into what the brake strength of that could be just even just from that that model. and then from there uh, goes into uh, sample parts um, for test fitment and, that, and different types of things that way to make sure it would fit with shackles and fit on the ends of winch lines and these types of things. And then they finally go into a pull test bed, which we are super fortunate here locally in Boise. We have a company called Boise Rigging and they have a uh, hydraulic test bed that pulls up to 250,000 pounds and they do proof load <laughs> testing for the United States Navy. That's like a super duty in the mud, right? Is about that. Oh, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Or not. (laughs) Yeah. No, no.
0: You know what that is? That's pulling a tugboat on land with no trailer. Yeah. Yeah. There
3: you go. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, it's about four, like 400 super duties, like being pulled around without wheels on them. right? But they, uh, but yeah, we're really fortunate. They had this test bed system that was there and we were able to take every single product, uh, rig it up into configuration, pull it up onto load to five, 10 15 20 thousand pounds uh hold them there for anywhere from 30 seconds to a minute and then run them up all the way to ultimate failure so we knew where the testing would be for every single one of these products the same thing you want the double shear pins of the parts that they get attached to um, they're machined out of uh titanium rod the, so all the titanium attachment pins go in there uh it was all usa sourced aluminum from kaiser uh so with lot traceability and all these things so it was taking all these Space age materials and all these things from the from that from that world and bringing it into the offer of space
0: you, you say space right and we think lives are at stake men and women are leaving the Earth's orbit right and everything that they have I'm talking about like satellites the things that he worked on right it's all. Like, so you're saying there's not off-roading in space. N- no, I'm. hold on. I'm getting It's just okay. everything has to be so precise, so <laughs> strong, tested, tested, tested. And off-road is whimsical. We're going out for a weekend. We happen to roll over. What if you're on the lunar yeah, rover go, on the moon, Lightning? That's what I'm getting at. It's like <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying is it's amazing that this the, kind of this whimsical sport we have of off-roading is taken so seriously because he's crossed over into something that's not just fun. He's These products are saving lives from a, a truck going off a cliff, you know, that type of thing. So it's got all these yeah, absolutely. standards. I mean, that-
3: and even for, even for us, like, I mean, I came out of, uh, I was, uh, I'm a open water scuba instructor and was teaching scuba in Hawaii and, and been around doing this stuff for a long time. And even through that, you know, that was a real industry where like, you know, when you even think about off-roading industry and off-roading products in general, like with scuba, you can't, you can't go into a dive shop and buy scuba equipment or like life-saving equipment unless you show Your scuba certification, right? You can't do it. They won't let they won't let you out of the building with it. And it's always amazed me that you could roll, you can just roll into Cabela's and buy a twelve thousand pound winch, and nobody's going to give you any training how to use the damn thing. Well, most (laughs) pretty amazing. Most people aren't going to use it,
1: and then they're going to be like, oh dude, I totally got this twelve thousand pound winch, and then they're out in the desert and they get their truck stuck in like sand, and they're like, sweet bro, I got a winch, and then they look around, they go. Oh, there's nothing to tie it off to, right? right. I mean, yeah, it's,
0: weird. Yeah. Or they use <laughs> exactly. it to lower themselves into a mine shaft. I, I've done that. Which, I know you. That's what I'm bringing <laughs> it up. <laughs>
1: that's how we used to go so, sort of yeah. spelunking back in the day uh, is I we know. used to pull the uh, nose of the truck. We had a, uh, a worn uh, – God, back then it probably would have been maybe a, uh, a XP or a 9.5 CTI or something like that. And uh, we would uh, just lower ourselves off the worn transformer on the front of the truck down in the mine. So shop.
0: when I was at Calico, better than
1: ascenders. If you have ever used ascenders up the ropes, dude, they suck. That so. sucks. That sucks, yeah. I,
0: I, dude. I was in Calico last year, last this time last year, and there were there was a family winching themselves down into the uh, one of the mines. I thought, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Hopefully, they so, were yeah. using closed loop winching though. Exactly.
3: Well, dude, yeah. So I mean, like, well, there's a perfect example right there where it became one of those things where. The idea was, you know, if anybody had uh, experienced this where, like, you know, it's a, it's those cheesy little bent safety class on uh, recovery hooks that uh, get bent, uh, they get side-loaded and shear off. Or the off.
1: Chinese ones that are, quote-unquote, forged and, and oh, shatter
3: dude. or break. Yeah, man. Exactly. And, for, you know, no, no. They
0: mean By forged, they mean copied. Dude, it's forged. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> like Totally. <unfortunately. yeah.
1: laughs> well, it's like every yes. time you watch the guys on Gold Rush and they use like a quarter-inch chain to tie two bulldozers together and then lift them with an excavator and you go, whoa, what are you <laughs> doing? Oh, dude. You know?
3: Exactly. Uh,
1: but, you know, yeah. you know, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been at it for over 20 years. And I remember when synthetic ropes Humble came bracket. on the scene. No, this is to, to uh, pre-game what I'm about Just to tell you. To set, set you. the stage. Yeah, setting the stage. And back when synthetic ropes were around, we didn't know what to think about them. It was like this newfangled thing that, hey, it floated on water. And, hey, it's uh, it's really strong, allegedly. And if it breaks, you can tie it back into itself. But it gets abraded on rocks and with sand in there. It, it sucks with UV because it breaks it down and makes them brittle and weak. Um, but one of the benefits was always when you were on a wire rope, if something broke, you had to worry about flying everywhere. And you would always have a weight on the uh, the winch line and you would always instruct people to stand away from it. So if that thing broke, it hopefully wasn't taking somebody out and whipping around. Well, the thing with synthetic is it would typically, you know, drop pretty straight to the ground without whipping back and getting everybody. So that was a big benefit. But then we didn't really know like is was that benefit good enough if it was going to sit on our truck unused most of the time and and rot in the in the UV or the abrasion from all the sand and stuff. And then what about hooks and things? And all of a sudden, when Factor 55 came around, it was like the fir- perfect set of products, whether it was their style of Fairlead or it was their ProLink or, you know, eventually the, uh, the FlatLink multi-mount. Was it like <laughs> the ultra uh, Ultra Hook, the FlatLink, all that stuff, right? It, it suddenly became the missing piece to converting over to synthetic was you now had the rest of the hard pieces that went with that rope. And you went, oh, it's it makes sense now. And then this kind of newfangled to the off road scene was this idea of closed loop winching or closed loop recovery. So, Justin, if you want to talk about what that means and what that is to uh, somebody who might not understand the
3: concept, yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, we kind of we kind of spearheaded the idea of, of the closed system winching model, and the idea really came out of, in the in the way of using these winch line shackle mounts because. You know hooks were always designed for vertical lifting so where the load would always stay centered in the throat of the hook as you're lifting vertically they were never designed for pulling as which what we do off-road so when you pull something we all know while we're winching right if you're going to give it a little gas or give some wheel speed to try to move and assist and help to assist the winch in certain recovery scenarios you can your tires can grab traction you can overrun the winch meaning that you're going to go faster than the winch is pulling which creates these really dangerous slack and tension and slack and tension scenarios which can drop and shift your rigging which is exactly
1: uh, what those uh cables were made for Mm -hmm. yeah exactly
3: right so they have those whole things to where like those hooks that's when you know uh, hooks the way that they're designed if they tip load they'll peel open and then they become projectiles and especially with like the old steel cable
0: what wait um, let me pause you what do you mean by tip load
3: Oh, so like if you look at the like the actual throat of a hook, like the actual end and the point of the actual hook, right there. If you were to load that with enough uh, force, the hook wants to peel itself open. Oh, I see. Like opening a claw. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. So you'll see. You'll see. You know. Like when. Like think about this. If you're going up and you're taking your hook and you just trying to really quickly attach to like let's say the open shackle tab on a front bumper. Well, you're not getting the whole hook through there. You're not the hook is not gathering into the lo- into the center of the throat of the hook. You're only getting the tip of that hook, and if you try to pull tip. hard, <laughs> I, yeah, just but yep. that's exactly right. But just <laughs> the tip there. So if you only get that's the what tip she end, said. Well, one, you're not having that much fun, and two, <laughs> it could be a really could end very poorly for you. So it, they just t- they commonly want to open up like that, and so by interfacing like if you're already going to pull out a tree saver or a strap. And you're going to interface a shackle or you're going to put a shackle onto a front bumper why not actually have a mount that can interface with that shackle since you're already using that piece of rigging equipment anyway and then voila closed system winching so one of the biggest things like you just mentioned when it comes to like the synthetic fibers you know the the one common problem i still see this a lot and a lot of this came from the winch manufacturers from taking photos and doing that kind of stuff uh, mostly with their products was you know you got synthetic fibers And then you have an aluminum fairlead that the synthetic rope is passing over. And then you take a steel hook and you slam it into the aluminum fairlead. And so while you're daily driving, you're just pitting and chipping the fairlead surface. So the next time you go to use the rope, you're dragging the rope over top of all these sharp edges, which is going to lead the rope to failing, right? So one of the biggest advantages of all of our parts, too, was having that integrated uh epdm rubber pads into every one of the winch line shackle mounts so now there was no metal to metal connection on the on the on the fairlead surface the rope was clean and tucked away until you're ready to use it so it's it wasn't even just the look of the parts or even just the, the total function but they function not, not you know every day 90 percent of the time when it's just living on the front of the fair lead. i got guys come up to me all the time like oh man i got one of your parts but i never had to use it and i'm like that's okay, man, because it's doing its job every day on the front of your Jeep, whether you know it or not. Protecting your winch line, keeping it from getting abraded on ledges or rocks or trail debris or road debris or UV just while you're daily driving every single day. A
1: yeah, perfect example of that is the uh, Ultra Hooks Rope Guard, where if you yeah. think about the eye of the rope being around the hook, right? So if you're holding a hook and there's usually a pin that the eye of the, the rope goes through— mm-hmm. Well, that edge, that rounded edge, is usually always facing forward on the road because your hook is usually nested, you know, parallel with your fair lead. so Absolutely. it's pulled tight. Well, that rounded section of rope that's holding onto your hook is facing bugs, sunlight, rocks, dirt, yeah, the, sunlight, snow, the sunlight alone, everything, right? And so what they have is they have the ultra hook uh, rope guard. So when you have an ultra hook set up with the rope guard. It's basically covered all the time behind an aluminum cover, so that's keeping that edge. I mean, if you think about it, that's got to be one of the most important parts of your rope that you don't want to braid it is the actual loop around <laughs> your hook, right? Right. And so they're even thinking about those types of things where they're covering the face of the rope that's facing forward on your vehicle to keep them you know, out, of, uh, out of harm's way.
3: Yeah, and so, and so for like the ProLink product is something like the original, you know, shock them out thimble. It never mattered because the rope was always captured in the body of the billet. But, you know, when it came to the foldable shock mounts, which was, are now far more popular and, and the way to go really is because it retains that approach angle while we're wheeling. Those types of products needed something else to help to finish it off and protect it. And a lot of guys have asked us, well, why isn't it integrated in the part? Or You know, we had thought about doing that, but the reality is there are still plenty of people out there, especially a lot of our military and government contract and industrial customers that still use steel cable. So the other advantage is, is with our product line, you can use them either with steel cable or synthetic rope, and it doesn't matter, right? They work with either one, and then that way we have all the other add-on options that we've worked around, you know what I mean, to kind of figure out like how that was going to uh, be the most effective.
1: Let's talk about hooks for a second, and going back to the Ultra Hook, and one of the best things about it is the Ultra Hook's great because not only does it have a hole for a, a shackle to go through if you wanted to do a, a shackle recovery closed loop that way, but it also doesn't have a piece of cheap sheet uh, metal holding the rope inside the uh, the mouth of the hook. You guys actually have mm-hmm. like real quality materials in there.
3: So the latch, we actually machine the latch so the latch is replaceable. So that's one of the cool things about that is that uh, even if you got into a bad situation where you sideloaded the latch or the latch could be damaged, uh, it's uh, it's just simple a simple roll pin that you can hammer out and replace the latch.
1: All right, and on hooks, you guys do it. Uh, other manufacturers do it. The hook, when stowed, is usually opening down and the riding on the hook is that way. But when you hook up to a shackle, it's opening up. What's the right way? Why? Why the discrepancy? Oh, yeah, yeah. in writing yeah, versus so, usage.
3: So, fu- so funny enough, like we always get photos where guys will send us uh, winching photos, and they'll have it with the hook throat facing down because you can read ultra hook and all that stuff. Right, right and that's
1: incorrect. It's actually 180 degrees from that because you don't want it to fall exactly. apart, right?
3: Yeah, you should always. So, yeah, you should always have the hook throat, whether it's a conventional winch hook or our hook, the the hook throat opening should always be facing up. And the reason being is because with it facing up, if you if that, again, if it goes back to the tip loading of the hook or if the hook were to have a failure or break, it shoots the energy down towards the ground versus coming down on something where it peels open and it spring loads it back to a bystander or to the vehicle that's doing the winching. So it's, you know, the joke, too, is always that you should hook up with factor 55 <laughs> there you go <laughs> oh, yeah. i like that so the one thing about the uh, the one thing about the design and how we do the laser engraving on the part is that you know while it's stored and where the laser engraving is where you read it the the pin mount is actually facing down where the uh, internal snap ring holds the titanium pin in and then the finger grips are on the top and so that way uh when it's stored up against the fairlead surface Water, mud, all that type of road debris and stuff will not collect in the pin attachment hole because it's facing the ground. And then when you go to winch, you have the finger grips on the other side that promotes the throat hooking up uh, manner. I mean, you guys are, are
1: really thinking about everything in the ergonomics behind a recovery setup.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, Holman, I, I think this went through like many, many iterations. I mean, as much as we'd like to think they came up the first one right away, I'm guessing that they went and tested hundreds and hundreds over years, right? And, and we, this is the product that they have today, right? I'm sure you guys destroyed a bunch of them on purpose.
3: Oh, crazy, amounts. Yeah, we got it to this point to where when we first – You know, I remember when we first started releasing uh, the ProLink and the FlatLink and then got even into the FlatLink E. And then, you know, Mike had had that drawing of the UltraHook like sitting like in his notebook. I mean, within, you know, I've been working for the, I was the first employee and I've been working for the company for, uh, geez, almost 10 years. And um, in all that time, you know, I remember like probably a year or two into it, he had shown me that drawing, like, look, I got this idea for this big tech hook and it could be great for the hammers and all these things. And I was like, dude, if we ever start making that, we won't be able to make them fast enough. Like, I just, I even knew it then I mean, compared to everything else that we were doing. And it's totally, it's just a, totally the truth, right? I mean, that thing is uh, still by far has turned out to be one of those things that has served not only our off road racing community but also served our industrial and military customers for tactical application especially and in, your uh, uh,
1: magazine guys have uh, served yeah, them really yeah. well too over the years yeah, yeah exactly and so I don't think they're so b-
0: that proud of the magazine guys you know what I mean they're not they're not hanging up like thank you letters on their walls like a, they would from a three star general you know what I mean card every year, but hey I mean. but
3: I I frame articles that's all I'm saying man I'm not framing an article <laughs> thank you, you. Know, okay a little, all, little right, all right magazine cover right you know? see so see? uh you know so like it's really it was one of those things where it's really developed to be that that you know that we have something for everybody you know even when it came to like uh the loop guard the loop guard is just a storage device puck for those that want to do soft loops at the end of their winch lines for all synthetic rigging in their in their winch recovery tackles we have like the multi mounts and the rolling bridle which was specific to the towing industry and you know and so on and so on and so on so we've we've kind of tried to cover the entire basis um when it came for utvs and side-by-sides all the way up to big military 30,000 pound, like hydraulic winches.
0: So you've got a lot of interesting parts on the website, which is, of course, factor55.com. I see pulleys, rope retention pulleys. How do they work?
3: Those things are oh, yeah. cool. So, yeah, so that's an interesting little thing. So those, uh, there's a, a lot of misconception about that about that device and a lot of misinformation on the internet. One of the things that we are going to be doing much more in the future is an uh, entire YouTube series and doing all these things. I mean, a lot of people still, you know, even as, even as common as in, even with, you know, our acquisition and all these things that have happened, um, over the last decade, you know, for us, we're still like a small team of people here in Boise, Idaho, right? I mean, there's only 10 people in the entire company. So it's a lot of work for us to do, uh, to produce these products and get this done. And, you know, the amount of events that we do, our social media, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's a ton of work for all of us because we're all super passionate about it and we're all wheelers. And so it all matters to us, right? So, the RRP, the rope retention pulley, was just one of those devices where, um, you know, again, just like synthetic fibers and just like soft shackles and all these types of things that were being adapted over into off-road from the marine industry, this pulley was no different. Um, a so lot of you people guys went on a intro-
1: fishing trip and were drinking at the dock when you got back, staring <laughs> at a bunch of stuff. Went,
3: hey, we can use that. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it actually <laughs> it got, you know, really started getting introduced um, into the off-road world from uh, the uh, from the guys at at Red Winch in the UK. So for a lot of the competition winching and that kind of stuff that was over there, they had developed some of their uh, first uh, pulley wheels and and friction rings uh, that they were introducing there and then a lot of other companies out of Australia. But a company called Harkin has actually been making it in the competitive sailing industry, like America's Cup, for, I I don't even know, 60-some-odd years. So so let's describe it
1: really quick. It's basically— To me it uh, looks like a keychain. It's a donut. Right, It's a billet 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 ring, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and it's radiused on the inside so that it doesn't violate basically the amount of bend you can have in a synthetic rope. So the
0: rope is going through the center of it. So
1: if somebody is using, let's say, a soft shackle, and you want to connect another rope to the soft shackle, so let's say you have a a soft shackle through your D-ring, and then you have the rope retention pulley slid over on it, so basically it can spin on that, you could... I guess in theory, run your winch line from your vehicle through it and then back to your other D-ring on your vehicle to use it as a pulley to... Um, I guess maximize your pulling power, right? Yeah, so, le- you
0: change your leverage. That's very which interesting. Is, but
1: it's but it's just a little disc. It's not a big. You know, people think of winching pulleys and they think of these. You know, big giant pulleys that you might have in an ARB bag or something
0: like that. But I can't tell how big they are. Is this like three inches in diameter? I get for the for the yeah.
3: So that yeah. So the the standard RRP is only um, is only about five inches in diameter, like total. Um, Lightning! I'm
1: surprised you would have thought three. That's more in line with what you're used to. <laughs> Thank you, guys. <Good> <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, all. that is the size <laughs> of the UTV poly. So I will say, there that. you go. Half, 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 right there. Yeah. It reminds yeah. me of a
0: uh, frisbee disc, you know, frisbee golf with that, with a hole with in the, the middle, middle, but yeah. two sides to it. With it. yeah.
3: Yeah. So the um, it so basically what it does is the soft, the soft shackle and synthetic rope is all made out of uh, ultra high molecular weight polyethylene. And that polyethylene, are, they're self-lubricating. So the, the soft shackle itself acts as the bearing in the pulley system. So if you're using synthetic rope, you can use this type of pulley as a replacement for a heavy steel snatch block.
1: Okay. Way, way less, uh, especially lighter weight, a lot more compact if you are maxing out your recovery bag. And you need that capability, but you don't want to pull, you know, carry all that with you. This is, this is a, uh, well, I think, awesome solution. Yeah, I
3: mean, th- yeah. If you think about it, like the cool thing, Dude, the snatch cool blocks are giant. Part, yeah. And so the cool thing about this one in particular is that the one advantage of these pulley rings is like, let's say you go up and set your rigging, you put the tree saver on the tree, you slide the soft shackle through the eyelets, you put the noose over the knot of the soft shackle and the pulley wheel set up. Well, in a typical snatch block scenario, You would have to wait to have your winch line and all your tackle to go through there to slide the cheek plates closed in order to to rig up your shackle to close that system uh, with that, you know, attached to whether to a vehicle or to a strap. But with this, you can already have that set up, take your ultra hook, your flat link, any one of our shackle mounts and even run that through that loop and simply just drop that rope uh, down the center channel. And what we did was we looked at, you know, all the different pulleys that were out on the market. And the one thing that we did is we, if you if you look at one of the cross section, you'll see that the inside the inside of it um, is larger and protrudes further than the top edges. So that way, when the soft shackle attaches um, through the middle, there's it's not dragging the legs of the soft shackle on the sides of the pulley, which is reducing the drag and the friction that's there. It's only spinning on that large radius surface. And then the biggest feature is the rope retention feature, which is those silicon fi- little fingers that uh, rubber fingers that stick inside of there, which retain the rope from jumping the sheave or falling out of the pulley when the line goes slack. So that was a patented feature, which was the one thing that we were able to do to step up above and beyond than any other type that had been previously available on the market.
0: Speaking of patents, I'm just a cursory search here. I'm pulling up at least six patents that are on your site here.
1: So yeah,
3: that's
1: correct, yep. Lighting's a patent troll. Uh, whenever somebody comes <laughs> on the show, he searches to see if they've patented their product so that he can go uh, steal it from you. So, like, I own... Lighting's <laughs> like China, but in a podcast.
0: No, I don't really China. Well, we talked about forgings, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> Captain yeah. Forging. No, so I've I've got, like, two or three, maybe three or four trademarks, and they're a pain in the ass, and that doesn't even hold a candle to a patent. I've watched Gail Banks... He's got, I think, at latest count, 19 patents and they are crazy hard to 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 get right to 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 apply for and to attain to have six patents, which I'm guessing protected you and created um, even more buzz for, you know, an Elon Musk to buy you. So I wanted to find out how it is like working with Tesla and being part of their company, <laughs> I mean, first Twitter and then Elon. You know what I'm saying? Like it's oh, you Elon. know, yeah, Fact all, of, all, it, all you love. Lightning, lightning. <laughs> I went along the way there It that was a long, yes, and there, was I? A long yep.
2: trip.
1: <laughs> and I don't even know <laughs> if we wrong. ever got there. I feel like we hit short of the runway. <laughs> we bounced into the airfield. Did we? Okay, gotcha. That
3: was so good. And uh, now we need well, recovery well, gear to pull the airplane yeah. oh, pull out back into the <laughs> air. We've got to pull us back.
0: There oh, it is. Thank you. Um,
3: <laughs> so one of the things about the patents is that even over the years, you know that Mike knew how valuable and how important that was going to be, especially with, you know the, uh, you know we all know that whole thing from even being at SEMA where people would come over and and just walk around the booths. I mean, you'd see like uh, you'd see people uh, coming up with like cigarette packs and putting them next to products and snapping photos with their phones so they could you know have a frame of reference for even that when they were com- going home to start knocking them off and having them be uh, produced and imported and made overseas and jokes on that
1: factor 55 scaled others up 23 percent just to screw with you <laughs> yeah exactly exactly i mean, wasn't so it the, like yeah. a
0: three four years ago that the sheriffs had to walk uh, the marshals, around the marshals the marshals came, yeah, yeah, was t- it took a bunch of people out yeah yeah
3: Yeah, absolutely. And so we and we're and we always took that very seriously because, I mean, that was the only that was the only reason why we were able to, you know, we were spending more money, I think, every month just on our patent attorneys than anything else and defending those the intellectual property. And ultimately, you know, uh, what led to the, you know, the sale of the company uh, in general. But it was those specific designs and being able to get through the patent process uh, that was also showing the, you know, the real creativity Um, you know, behind, you know, what we could offer as a brand and as a company and and have that driving force and innovation be really there. Now, a lot of the other things is, you know, a lot of confusing things about patents. A lot of people don't know this, but there are like really two types. There are design patents, and then there are utility patents. And so design is, you know, about maybe how something looks or, you know, those types of things. Um, But a utility is about how the part functions. And those patents that we have are all utility. So it doesn't matter what the part looks like. But it's how it functions and its and its tool and its method of use uh, that makes it happen. Because we have people that try to violate that IP all the time. It's crazy.
1: Before we talk about the acquisition, because I think that's important, people are going to be curious about that. And you and I had actually a really good conversation about what that means for Factor 55. And by the way, spoiler alert, it's all good.
0: You got to share that um, with us or just keep in it to in yourself? A
1: minute. But I want to I hit on a couple of other products that you guys have. Um, for people who are listening, That they're like, I don't really off-road, but I... You know, uh, I tow. One of the products that you guys have that y- people should know about are your quick release or locking hitch pins. These might be some of oh, the yes. only hitch pins that are made in I was the USA. The same ones, fifty thousand pound shear strength, five eighth uh, diameter. These are made up uh, from three hundred three high strength stainless steel, and they fit two and two and a half inch receivers. These things are freaking awesome. So if you've ever gone to the hardware store. And you've gotten a pin like listen, there's a lot of people out there and I've done it and it's it can be fine. Uh if you're if you know, but it's not ideal.
0: Don't say a bolt.
1: No, no. Take take your pin, throw it in there, and a lot of people will put a toe strap in their in their, you know, hitch and use it that way. The receiver, yeah. Yeah, but, But part of the way that your hitch is designed is hitches have a bit of a bind to it when there's load. So, not all of that goes on the pin. So, when you remove that part of it and you just have the rope on the pin, if you don't have a strong pin, they're not rated for shear like that. Well, this factor of 55 one, whether you tow, whether you have a two inch receiver, two and a half, you don't have to be an off roader, is my point. They have products for you for your truck that you can use on a daily basis. Or if you're somebody that does use your hitch like that, go, for God's sake, go get yourself a freaking rated. Made in America pin and not the cheap thing at the hardware store,
0: please? Well, and also, so if you look at this pin sideways, and you, if it was laying down on the desk and you're looking at it and you, and you insert inserted the key, the head of the key where your fingers twist, that's the diameter of the entire pin or smaller. Like, it's not one of those big ones you buy at Pep Boys that's bulky and rust and you need a rubber cap to go over the end because it's so god-awful. This is really slim. Um, I, I, aside from the fact that it's insanely strong, it's pretty attractive
3: well thank you well i mean what's like well yeah thank you okay. So, part of the thing with that is you know it's you know one of the biggest ideas that you know mike and i have always really tried to focus on too was that the parts not only need to function but they also need to go good right they got to look good and go good and there's not many things in life that is like fashion and function right and so that was something that we always wanted to you know be involved with with anything that we kind of put our brand and put our name on and the pins were no different. And the, and the cool thing was like the tumblers for those locks are actually made in Chicago. They had that thing be able to come together and still be within the kind of the price point, right, of any regular just quick release or a locking hitch pin that's already available on the market. I mean, dude, you really can't lose. So dude, why wouldn't you buy release. one? Quick release, $15. Yeah. What, 15?
1: yeah. That's cheaper than the T-shirts on the website and cheaper than the T-shirts <laughs> that you probably always wear. And this is a, a part... That A tool you could use. You could yeah. yeah, keep it in your recovery bag. You don't even need to keep it in the in the hitch all the time. You pull out your recovery bag and you pull your hitch pin with it. That's what I do. Or if you want yep. the locking one, dude, 45 bucks.
3: Yeah like 45 well, dude, bucks. Cool, Cheaper than dude, the dude, vans the cool, I'm wearing. Well, dude, and the cool thing with the locking pin, then the other thing is we do them, we do the tumblers of batches of 50. So you can actually get multiple pins with the same key.
0: Nice. So So you got a trailer,
3: you got bike racks, you got all these things, right? So like even with my two door JK, I have to have an extension in order to put my Overland trailer behind it. So there's two pins that go in right there. I got to have a third pin for the carrier for the bike rack in the back. You know, you know what I mean? So already got three hitch pins, but if I got one key for all those pins, I don't have to worry about
1: it. Could you see one guy? He's like, I'm going to totally steal this. So he like you know, spends like an hour cutting the pin off and realizes,
0: crap, there's two more. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah, exactly, dude. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So that's one of the cool things that would be able to do that, right? You can get multiple pins, same key to like, and exactly that, right? When you're dealing, if you take a toe strap and put it in a hitch receiver and just stick it with a pin, yeah, it may work in that scenario, but what you start dealing with is bending forces and not actual double shear. And so that's where, let alone that the hitch receivers can be sharp they can tear up your toe strap and do those things. So that's where, like, the aluminum shackle mounts like our hitch links come into play as dedicated toe points, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, well, we, yeah, we, the pin uh, is a great option. So, so sure.
0: Justin, I want to talk about that for a second because I don't want to gloss over. I had the uh, one of the hitch links on um, – which one did I have here? The hitch link, I think the three O. I never got a chance to use it. explain this because, like, how is this better than just throwing the hitch pin through and wrapping your rope around it?
3: Yeah. So a couple of things is you can you can never really control the direction of the pole. Right. Depending on the situation. One thing is, is like when you're when you're dealing with like when you're dealing with like, let's say, towing, like in a marine situation, they use what's called a fish plate, uh, which is similar to what our like our load distribution plate was kind of designed around where they have to use a, a plate that can gather multiple rigging connection points to prevent the boat from yawing which meaning like if 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 you're towing a boat through water and it goes sideways, you can capsize the boat, right? You can roll it right over into the waves. We don't really have that kind of to worry about in off-road because we have steering wheels. So you can just point the tires in the direction they need to go, right? So when you're doing it from, when you're pulling from the rear, the strongest point in the back of the vehicle is always gonna be from the center mount of that hitch and from that rear cross member. So what the hitch receiver shackle mounts provided is that dedicated point to actually putting a soft shackle or hard shackle through that connection, that'll allow you a strong, safe way to recover a vehicle, either from uh, towing them or if you come across a vehicle that's stuck uh, and they don't have a good recovery point, but they got a hitch receiver, you could also take the hitch link, slide it into their uh, hitch receiver, and now you've created a dedicated frame-mounted uh, recovery point to winch them or pull them from or pull the uh, disabled vehicle uh, to get them unstuck from. So gotcha. there's a lot of functionality that really goes into that, and especially for those people that are going to keep – not use the hitch links all the time and keep them in your recovery bag. I mean, dude, that thing, you know, it weighs like three pounds instead of what like the, what are the steel ones weigh, 15 or 20, right? Okay. That uh, you can buy these cheap imported ones. I mean, you can get them at Home Depot. You know what I mean? So uh, oh, there's a really – a. boom. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. so, yeah, so there's a lot of – I have a official one. Here we go. Oh there's a lot of advantage to go with that. And then uh, obviously, you know, being in that it's a tested and rated uh, product, right? Then you also have the reliability knowing that it's going to be the safest uh, connection point available.
0: So of, of the materials that you've tried, you keep coming back, I assume to billet. Uh, could you use a titanium or magnesium or what are the other materials that would make sense? Or do you, is billet aluminum the answer?
3: Yeah, so most of, honestly most of the most of the reason is is because of availability and because of pricing. The ultra hook itself is one of the only products that we actually manufacture that's made out of 7075 alloy, where most of it's 6061. You know, a lot of that is just really comes into it, it becomes in the cost, right? And you have to think on a manufacturing standpoint when you really start to develop into the business idea of it. I mean, are you going to wholesale? Are you going to sell direct? Are you doing both? You know, I mean, so you have to be able to build products and be able to you know have a design factor to know well yeah man people are like okay well the ultra hook is 280 dollars now you know it used to be only 220 dollars but we all know because of inflation and the material cost all these things and so yeah people look at it and go well that thing's 280 bucks well like yeah man it's 70 75 it comes from a block of 70 75 aluminum and it takes 25 minutes to machine the thing it's got to get tumbled and deburred then it's either going to get mill spec hard anodized or powder coated laser engraved, assembled and packaged and put on the shelf in your store. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a process. by
1: the way, also all here in in the U S yeah. So that's a big deal.
3: Yeah, dude. And, and then have the test certification in the box with every single part that we sell, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's all part of the whole setup of what it takes in order to like, in order to, uh, you know, put an entire finished good item out for sale into the market space. So, Really, I think there are. I mean, like, we actually, I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but at SEMA a couple of years ago, when we first released the Ultra Hook, I, this is now going on, geez, maybe five years ago. Um, we actually made uh, two of them out of titanium. We machined the entire Ultra Hook, the whole thing, the whole body of it, everything. Yeah, I stole one. Titanium. It's in my garage. <laughs> yeah. <Did you> know? <laughs> and it it's, took, I mean, dude, that, that hook cost us. I mean, we rolled through, I don't even know, like, 15 tools between oh the two parts because oh it just, just, it just, cause the titanium, titanium shoes so it up. Yeah. Yeah. It just destroyed the tooling. So, you know, it's, you know, one of the things too, is also like, uh, if you guys have ever gone through like the Curry factory, right. Going yeah. through Curry axles and stuff. I mean, you know, they, you know, as they were cutting their drive, cutting their axle shafts and doing all these things, it was so fascinating to hear how Frank had developed these, uh, processes. And I mean, they're even using, they're still using like this, uh, you know, an airplane thing that you know, a landing gear, like a hydraulic ram that pushes out landing gear, is still the thing that they're that he bought at a pond that a, like a flea market or something. They're using to press their brakes into their axle housings. I mean, it, it's crazy the kind of stuff that you get. You know, when you get these inventive, uh, big engineering guys to come up with in order to you know figure out a way to solve that problem. And the thing that was so crazy about you know that and when it comes to material, it's just really you know, it's, it's what's available and what's gonna work. You know, you gotta find the right tools that can do the right cutting, the material that can, uh, you know, deal with repeatability. Um, and, you know, one thing about the billet aluminum is it's coming out of Kaiser's Foundry in, uh, in Washington State. And, you know, we have, mater- we have lot traceability over top of all of that, just like we have all the serial numbers and manufacturing dates on all of our synthetic rigging uh, for a material lot traceability uh, even on those on those items, because we sell for life safety to so you know, okay. to the government, the military.
1: That was going to be my next question: Is your synthetic rigging? Now, you guys aren't the only ones that have synthetic ropes and kinetic ropes and synthetic rib, um rigging in the U.S. There are other companies who have U.S. made stuff. A lot of them. What oh, yeah. so? What makes the Factor Fifty Five stuff special? Or if they're similar to the competition, because that's it's just the nature of the product. Why Factor 55 and what should I look for when I'm looking for synthetic rigging so I know I'm getting oh, the, a quality piece?
3: So great, great, great question. So the the shortest way to answer that as possible is that there are plenty of high quality USA made companies making USA quality products um, that are out there. And out of all of those brands, what you'll find is you'll find working load limits. You'll find minimum breaking strengths, uh, clearly listed uh, you, if you're lucky enough, like you are with our products, you'll see that every single one of those soft shackles, tree savers, toe straps has a serial number. So, uh, it can be traced to the desk of the person that sewed the strap together. And then it will also have a, uh, a date of manufacturing, uh, cause you know, in, in overhead lifting and for OSHA and MRAP and all these actual life safety standards, you know, they, you've got a timeline. Synthetic rigging is going, needs to be replaced. It's a consumable. So it's not something that lasts forever. And so because of that, this gives you all of that reference material to look at, know exactly what a strap is going to do in a straight pull, a choke, or a basket um, configuration, and know exactly how you can plan a recovery based off of those, uh, You know, depending on how mired the vehicle is, et cetera, et cetera. But that gives you all the basis information. You should be looking for any testing certifications or anything that any of these companies can show you that their parts are legitly made here and put together in any kind of real capacity that way. Cause a lot of them just won't even show you that for most of them will just only tell you what the breaking strength is and not even necessarily what the repeatable working load limit of a product is.
1: What's the shelf life. If I keep it in the, in the climate controlled environment, like my garage in a bag and it never sees the light of day, except for that one time a year, I take it out to, to recover. Oh, geez.
3: I mean, honestly, dude, like that maybe forever, like maybe really, forever. Okay. Like, I mean, really, I mean, I haven't. We've still, you know, we, in fact, for years and years and years, we used import, we've used imported winch ropes and broke test those and did all kinds of things. And sometimes it's just really good material, right? When you just find, you know, the one thing when it comes to like synthetic material, like the, you know, like Dyneema fibers or Spectra or plasma or any types of things, uh, there are so many different variations and varieties, but it's really like how the splicing is done. Um, how the te- you know and and how that can be um, for repeatability right it's about seeing the consistency and repeatability and that's just like anything else why you why a Crosby USA made shackle which is you know drop boards at their at their foundry in Texas why that thing is a $30 shackle versus the $10 built ones that you just buy in a four-wheel drive store right what's the what's the real difference well the real difference is we've seen a three-quarter inch shackle break apart at 15,000 pounds in a Crosby shackle consistently fails at above 55,000 pounds.
1: That, oh that seems like a difference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: So, I mean, it, for 20 bucks. Yeah. Like, I mean, at, yeah. uh, at the end of the day, it's insurance. Like, Hey man, 20, 20 bucks is 20 bucks, but I'd rather have like now my two year old daughter and my son and my kids and my, you know, my what and my friends, kids and my wife. I want to know that whenever I'm doing that or trying to push the limits, especially in my off-road, uh, you know, in my off-road adventures, that I'm keeping them and myself and my vehicle and everybody as safe as possible. So it's just it's buying the added safety.
1: Two things, because I know the dad timer's uh, clicking off over there.
0: Because uh, of the, the kid in the background? <laughs> yeah, well,
1: he, he's on dad duty right now, and he's been gracious enough to, uh, to spend so much time with us. Uh, what I just want to mention to everybody, if you go to factor55.com, if you're looking for a vehicle recovery kit, they have – they're expensive. Three but, kits. But I'm looking they, at them but now. But they have some of the most comprehensive vehicle recovery complete kits. Not a bag that has you know a uh, uh, you know one strap of one size and a pair of gloves and 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 maybe tree saver you'll never use or, or what? No. These, these <laughs> are super comprehensive bags of everything that you would need, and they come in a beautiful like wax canvas carrying case. I mean, they're they're it's. It's the type of thing that if you aren't, if you are okay with spending the money, these are the ones to get. They're absolutely phenomenal, uh,
0: phenomenal kit for recovery. Holman, can you pronounce yeah, the, the name of the uh, the the entry level one? Owyhee? Owyhee? <laughs> Owy- uh, what is it? That's no, pretty good. That's pretty it good. Close? Owyhee, huh? Yeah. And then there's the yeah, Sawtooth the, and the Bora.
3: Yeah. Named after yeah, mountain so, ranges in Idaho, right? In Idaho, yep. So the uh, the Owy-hee front is actually where we do a lot of our By the way. a lot of our rock trails and stuff are, and. Um, <laughs> Then the, uh, and the Sawtooth Mountain Range um, is, uh, you know, kind of where there's a lot of really great recreating, camping lakes, high mountain lakes, stuff like that. And then Bora is the tallest mountain in Idaho. So that's also the biggest bag and the biggest kit. So each kit is basically small, medium, and large. The small one, the Owyhee kit, uh, is for any vehicle that is going to go off-road, whether it be a Subaru, a truck, uh, any, you know just a dude just driving to his duck blind. You know, that comes with the basic minimum things that help for vehicle, the vehicle-assisted vehicle uh, recoveries. The sawtooth is for uh, all static recoveries, whether it be towing or winching scenarios. And then the BORA is the full meal deal, which was really designed more for municipalities uh, for law enforcement, military, that kind of thing. And that really stemmed from we did some uh, training with the Weapons of Mass Destruction hazmat team out here at Gowan Field. And uh, when we went out there and did that training... You know, they got they had a bunch of, um, you know, F-250 trucks with, uh, you know, big heavy winches and ambulance boxes on the back end. And I was like, well, dude, do you guys have a bag with some straps and the shackle or that type of thing in each one of these trucks? And the answer was no. So this made it to be, instead of like the military calling up and saying, oh, we need five of these and 10 of those and all these things, they go like, we got 25 trucks, so we want 25 bags. So it really so- kind of made it easy to do that, right? Yeah. So the nice thing is, is with the kits, Yes, they are expensive. Yes, you know, that is, you know, there's a lot of material and, and things that come in there, but it comes with our rope splicing tool. It comes with the RRP. It comes with USA made Crosby shackles, right? Just those two shackles, is $60 by themselves. And they're the first ever all inclusive. Every single component, including the bag itself is USA made. So boom, it's USA, a huge deal.
2: USA, 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 USA. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. And the last thing I want to bring up just so we do come full circle so we can uh, go to uh, lightning's need for a closed loop podcast interview. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you like what I did there? Let's see what you yeah. did there. Uh-huh. Um, we just want to talk about the acquisition. Uh, you and I had a great conversation about it and two great companies came together. Um, you're sort of feeling out what that's going to be for factor 55, but we had, You know, tell me, tell our listeners what you told me and kind of made me feel good about the whole thing, the way you feel good about it.
3: Yeah. So, uh, you know, we were we were really fortunate, you know, as the company has grown and uh, kind of exploded. You know, you get to that point to where, you know, yeah, you're just always looking to take it to the next level and do the next thing. And, you know, Mike is was also I think initially always had an idea that he would, uh, you know, cultivate this brand. And we were all, you know, along for the ride with him uh, and helping to grow this company because of our passion and off road. And uh, we were fortunate enough that Warren Industries, uh, you know, we all know our Warren winches uh, acquired our company uh, just over two years ago. Um, so they li- They literally like I got back from the four wheeler adventure expo in Orange County, uh, found out that my wife was pregnant. Uh, Wednesday we were told that Warren bought the company. Friday everything shut down for COVID. <laughs> so they were,
1: yeah. so oh was a Oh my lord. That was literally our last event before COVID was the four wheeler adventure expo and we had to put uh, the, the way we could carry on was we had to put a sanitizing station around and we didn't Nobody We knew how bad it was then, but that was the very last offer. I remember event that right before yeah. the whole thing went.
0: So did you unplugged. not know that it was going down being the second employee at the, at the company? No.
3: Yeah. We, no, I mean, we knew like we knew that there, we knew that there were, there were a lot of people that were, I will say that were courting the business. There were a lot of people that were coming around like, you know, in uh, different private equity firms, all these things. And Mike was always like, uh, it was pretty funny, man. He's the type of guy that will just kill the deal. He's kind of a deal killer because you know it's 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 the baby and it's it's, it's, it's my baby and him. I'm yeah, done I mean, with this. Yeah. And
0: listen, everyone knows what happens to all these private equity guys. They just come in, they're trying to they they fire a bunch of people. They uh, not they, always not well, not always, but a lot of the times. And they package all the businesses together and they try and s- spin it out to somebody else. And that would yeah, suck if exactly. you if you're, yeah, if you're mean, a guy that spent your your entire adult life building a brand. And you sell it to someone and just watch them just bleed it. It would suck.
3: Yeah, man. And that's, you know, for us, it's that was like one of those things. Like I got, you know, I got, it's crazy to me what like this, the brand did for me, but also what off-road it's done for me, right? Like I can't believe that I have some of the best friends in the world now because we just drive the same type of vehicle. Like that's crazy to me. And it's been so awesome to, you know, to be part of this community and to watch this brand grow and to be something, you know, to represent something, you know, as as, uh, uh, you know, as innovative as this is as, as Factor 55 has has been. And uh, to be a part of that has been a big deal. And so, to, the, you know, to get to the idea to think that somebody else would be in charge of it ultimately uh, was a really scary thought. And we didn't know really what that was going to look like or how that was going to kind of go. And, uh, yeah, a lot of people kind of came knocking. But, you know, Mike never felt comfortable with the deal whether it was for the, you know, the, the price of the company or how long that he would need to stay on or, or, you know, what they were doing. I think most of it was just the value of the intellectual property and the products, or if they would buy the company and shelve it, right. Or allow other, you know, um, just to get it off the market I mean, there's all kinds of scenarios that could have played out, but it just, you know, Warren came calling, um, and it just, it was the perfect, I mean, look, man, they make some of the best winches in the entire world, you know, and. Uh, And we make some of the best accessories in the whole world. So it was a perfect marriage of the two uh, to come together. And uh, part of the thing I think that's been so great with this is now we have an entire, you know, legacy company, uh, you know, a 70 year old business, a company that is just ingrained in the very fiber of what it means to get out in the backcountry and adventure. And we get to be now a part of that legacy. Man, it's been just awesome to be part of that family history And to see how many, you know, most of the people at Warren, especially like the upper management there, has been working there over 30 years. This is what you want to
1: hear, by the way. You want to hear the small upstart company that made their way in the world, who got gobbled up by the big fish, who is impressed by the big fish and isn't like, yeah, yeah, they're ruining it. To hear you be excited about it, because I've been a Warren user for 25 years. I love Warren. I think the first product I ever purchased from Warren was a transformer for my uh, 1994 Ranger 4x4 warren has always been that one of those special companies that i will always support and you know how they say don't ever meet your heroes it's nice that yep, in a absolutely. way you met your hero and they were as it wasn't
3: disappointed exactly like to think to think about like you know like even uh uh Anne, our sponsorship coordinator at warren for instance she's been working at warren industry since 1987 i was seven years old when she started <laughs> working at the company. you know what i'm saying so like it's crazy to see that the that these people have stayed on there in Clackamas, Oregon, to go through the plant, to see the winches being built, Rad, to see by the, the way. drums being welded. I dude, mean, dude, that's one of the
1: places in America where you can see pallets upon pallets of raw material in one door, walk the floor, see the whole process, and watch boxed winches pop out the other door. It's unbelievable. It's so cool.
3: Yeah, dude. And people don't know that, right? And because, yes, there are imported products that they offer because sure. they have to because they had to stay competitive with you know, I mean, like a lot of people don't even know there's there's like over 33 winch brands just in america yeah now warren is the dominating source obviously but you know what i'm saying that there's so much stuff that they have to do but the fact that you know you can still get american-made products right out of that plant in oregon and it just be be so happen that they're you know about eight hours from us here in boise and it's like this pacific northwest thing and It's so family oriented in the roots of that brand of that company. It's been really phenomenal. And then also since they, since they acquired factor 55, uh, they also bought fab tech suspension and fab four bumpers. And, uh, one of the acquisitions of all these brands and why Warren kind of got on the buy power was in order to, in order to really support USA manufacturing. It really got to that point to where now like Warren bumpers can be, you know, built Uh, in conjunction with fab four bumpers and uh you know worn products economies of scale now you're buying enough
1: materials and you're getting hopefully a discount on it by by having a lot of companies
3: so and you're and you're now you have total quality control and everything is really is just being coming right out of the states and it's just it's phenomenal man it's been a really cool thing to be a, a part of this team and so much of that and to hear so much of that knowledge and just to even say like just so how much farther we have yet to go is crazy. The stuff we have coming. It's pretty, pretty amazing.
0: Now did Mike stay on board or did he, uh, buy a jet and a Lamborghini and go to Tahiti?
3: No, you know, you know, he bought a Winnebago Travato. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so
1: it doesn't it was, have the same ring be, by the way.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I know he does not, <laughs> but he will definitely, at some point he will be, uh, you know, living the good life in the van down by the river. <laughs> <laughs> he, Literally. Uh, that is uh, a good life. He, he uh, but yeah, so he, you know, he's still on, um, he's still staying on with us. He's been, uh, you know, he's, I still see him every day. Like, so he's still there um, for, you know, it kind of an undetermined amount of time. And I'm not sure how much longer he'll stay on before he goes into like full retirement. And I, and I honestly think that he will still kind of stay on in a, some kind of consulting aspect just because he's, you know, even when he, he decides to step away more um, and allow more of the day-to-day running the business thing happen i think he will fall back into really focusing on some of the design elements which is he's been able to do a lot more of right now um we've been able to lean on warren's engineering team i mean you know their wall of patents just like banks or just like curry or just all these other badass brands you know the wall of patents and their facility is crazy right from like the stuff that they've designed and developed and innovated with and so you know we we ended even you know one part of the acquisition too is we gave them a list of other products that we already had, ideas we've never even had a chance to even work on. So to be able to have a team of engineers to lean on instead of it just being the handful of us is going to only be able to us to continue to innovate and and produce uh, even better uh, and newer and more badass products into the market space. So just there's so much more to come in.
1: All right. Well, if you want to uh, follow up uh, with Factor 55, you can head over to factor55.com or on Facebook. At Factor 55, on Instagram, at Factor 55. And guess what? On YouTube, Lightning,
0: can you guess what they are on YouTube? Factor 56. Nope, Factor oh. 55. It's the <laughs> same better. ball of like So, uh... Can you imagine if someone like <laughs> yanked that out from under them? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, oh, for 30 grand, I'll sell <laughs> you yeah, Factor 55 yeah, squa- water.
3: Like, oh, dude. I actually had to do that on Instagram. I went through a whole process. It oh, was a long thing. Horrible. I finally got the uh, – it used to be at Factor55LLC, but now I finally got rid of the LLC Good. portion and was able <laughs> it to get the wild. name. So now – yeah, the only thing I got to do is I got – now I, I got to do it on TikTok. We're, we're at Factor55USA on TikTok because – some other, you know, somebody's parking on the profile, yeah. but uh, yeah, I'm to submit it, my, my you own know, kid.
1: Factor it. 55 is just like Kleenex. You know, everybody uh, has that name, just, you know. Yeah, exactly household. right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Justin, Andrews, thank you so much for uh, hanging out with us. You've been awesome with giving us so much time, and I know it was a busy uh, night. You just got back from Jeep Beach. you got another event to go to next week, but... Uh, we we appreciate your time because uh, this has been something we've wanted to uh, talk about for a while, and in Factory Fifty Five is definitely uh, one of those premium brands in the truck space that that we like to well, be associated with and be a part of. So
3: yeah, thank you guys so much for having us on, and and we I can't wait, man. Like I said, we have still so much more to do, you know, in person with you guys, like uh, with some uh, filming and techniques and. Recovery scenarios and you know all the winch rope splicing stuff, new manuals that, that we're using. Well, releasing. listen, let,
0: let's do it. Listen, I mean, Justin, I'm I'm picking up a new truck. Hopefully, in the next, I don't know whenever, whenever they call me and tell me that it's 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 pulling into the lot, and I don't know much about this stuff, and I would like to learn. So Holman is really seasoned at this, and and but he but
1: also go to YouTube because their YouTube presence is phenomenal with showing techniques and stuff. And I know Justin has plans to to go even further. So. But
0: what I'm saying is, yeah, why don't we do it? Why don't we do a meetup where Justin comes down and schools me, and you laugh at me? I like it. Okay. I don't know if he has that <laughs> oh, dude. much time to dude, waste. But...
3: No. So, well, one thing that's going to, again, one thing that's happening with acquisition is Warren is really helping to allocate our job roles. So they're really going to kind of like, I'm finally going to get to the points where I get let off the leash a little bit. So well, I'm going to be able to really cultivate our content, especially in this training platform from, we just did the Florida tow show. We were just in Orlando before Jeep beach doing an industrial tow truck show. And that was a phenomenal experience to think about some of the other uh, rigging opportunities and uh design opportunities that we can actually do and especially with the serve into our industrial and military space because man, we make products for special forces that we don't even sell on our website like stuff that is going on in the back end here Ooh, people we need that some know of that about. we need some of that
1: yeah. all right well, well so there's a t- let's stay in tons touch Tons of stuff man yeah let's stay in touch because uh, obviously want to do stuff with you at four-wheeler on the magazine side but uh when you're ready and you want to do uh, come back on the podcast if you've got new products or anything like that let us know because we'd love to have you back
3: that would be phenomenal. Thank you guys so much for for having me on. Super appreciate it. Awesome. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, All have right. a great night, guys. Thanks, Later. you too. Bye. All
1: right. Uh, Justin was awesome, but we've got the uh, the second half of our recovery episode. Uh, our guests are waiting in the waiting area, so I'm going to go grab them right now and uh, bring them in.
0: Holman, we don't actually have a waiting room.
1: Lightning, there's a couch out there that they're sitting on. That's a waiting
0: room. Um. Okay. Sure. All right, guys. God, damn, would you seriously? You're gonna, you're gonna wreck the All right, guys. All right, don't wreck our spot. All right, what's what up here? We have two guys and a canine. What's the dog's name, Ben? Lucy. Lucy. Come here, Lucy. I'm, oh yeah, Lucy. I have Border uh, Collie in my lap right now, trying trying to get up on uh, Holman's she lap there. She likes Holman's beard. Mm-hmm. And Where then all uh, the squirrels are. And then we. And, and, and nice to meet you. I'm Lightning. How you doing, Casey? Casey. All right, we've got Casey in the studio here as, as well. Now, uh, so we've got Ben from Six Garage. Ben, you've been on the show 35 times, I think. <laughs> and uh, we, we've helped build your business over the last couple of years, Yeah, I, think.
4: I mean, I literally owe most of my marketing advertising to you, both of
0: you guys. Uh, I really appreciate that. I actually that.
1: send them customers, though. Yeah. buying paying customers. So that that's a true statement.
0: Friend of a friend deal. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah, so you are down here in Los Angeles from Bend, Oregon, because you brought down a scout for Holman's Boss Man. Is that correct? Uh, That is incorrect. That's incorrect. No. We
1: brought- Uh, You should buzz yourself for that, Lightning. Uh, I can do that. Hold on. Wait a minute. Buzz yourself again. That was for you being on a different page. (laughs) Now you have to- (laughs) Thank you.
4: What is the correct answer? The correct answer is we brought parts down Mm. for two different friends. Uh, one of them is a big a scout person, uh, Sean from Anything Scout. We brought him some parts. And uh, we came down here to uh, complete a 40-year, 35, 40-year quest for myself to buy a car I've wanted since I was a child. And that's the car and in the trailer I outside. I
1: saw a yes. picture of it. Okay. And it's badass. And the, what arm and what leg did you get for that car? It uh, First off, what is it? It is. A... Mm, do
0: you want to tell him? <laughs> Let him guess. I know what it is. I'm asking so he can tell the audience. Yeah, he unfortunately
4: knows. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, it is, so my business, as you guys know, your audience may or may not know, we do a lot of um, preservation. Smuggling. Yeah, smuggling, yes. A lot of preservation. We, I, we like original paint vehicles, original interior, the story, everything else. I don't like to paint cars. I don't like to restore cars. We do mechanical restoration and preserve what, you know, mother earth did to the car basically so this car for me is great because it's a two-owner california car original triple black original paint original interior survivor it's a survivor that's exactly what it is um actually it was in uh, uh huntington beach california for, since 1990 what wow. I, I ever saw it running uh, around town I have a picture of it in the guy's driveway who passed away that is where the car came from.
1: So did you buy from the kids, from the family? Uh, A friend of the family. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: And he's a Mopar collector. He's got like, well, we saw. How did you
1: end up with it? Because they're thinking this thing's a survivor, but most people are thinking resto candidate. You're thinking solid survivor because that's what you're into. Wet sand
4: it, polish it, redo the interior, give it the mechanicals, and burn the tires to the ground. 70? 69. 69. So, it's, so what makes it kind of rare is it's a it's a black car, number yep. one. Black cars. Black on black. Yeah. They made in black in 68, 69, 70, what I'm told, less than 8% of production was black. And it's an RT. It's an RT SE. So R- and it's a true RT. So that means you've you got event. the
1: performance package, but you also have the luxury package on top of that, right? Wood grain
4: three-spoke steering yeah. wheel, wood grain dash. Which makes it a pretty interior. rare car. Right. Power steering, power brakes, power windows, Char- AC. is a charger, right? Yep. AC and then uh, um, eight and three quarter with a posi rear end.
1: Yeah, that's that's a that guy spent all the money back in the day to get. Right. He checked almost all the boxes. That's a special car.
4: The only car. The only thing he would have checked above this is four speed.
1: Yeah, or vinyl or, top.
4: Or vinyl top or Hemi. Now this is a vinyl top stripe delete car. So it has the instead of having the sticker badges on the stripe yeah. on the back, it actually has the raised three D metal 3D badges. Metal yeah. badges. And so you that's said it's really automatic. Cool. It is an
1: automatic. So that's 7. the only 7. thing that kind of sucks about it. It does. Depending, is it? You say it's three eighty three? No, it's four forty. Oh, So it is a four forty. It's a four forty HP car. Oh, so the
4: same motor as the GTX. So, so that's so also, he literally did check every box. He checked box. all the boxes. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, and so I, that would have been a four barrel. And that would have been, how? what was the horsepower back then? It was like 350 or something like that? I or? think
4: the actual rated horsepower by the manufacturer was 385, 385 and was 400 right. foot-pounds of torque. Yeah. But if you read back in the magazines back in the day, they said it was more like four and a quarter, four yeah. and a half horse. Yeah, and they were all underrated
1: for yeah. uh, insurance and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, And it's got a few things done to it. On the Mopar sense.
4: Muscle Show,
1: yeah.
4: hey! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> we're Mike Musto here. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um,
2: Right! <laughs>
4: It does have QA1 suspension on it. It is lowered a little bit already, and it has, uh, um, from what I'm told, Jay will know this because he's been here forever, uh, I-forged wheels, which are made here locally. I-forged, wow. I haven't heard that name in a while. Yes. I didn't know they
0: were still in business. Good for them.
4: Three-piece, 19-inch wheels. Might not be. Three 15s in the rear and two 75s in the front. So that's like
1: the perfect amount. It's all reversible. -hmm. If you wanted it, but it has, as an option, survivor car. It's got a survivor car with
4: cool wheels and tires and it's lowered like an inch and a half. Yeah, perfect. And we literally got there and he hadn't started it for like a week or two, went out, turned the key, fired right up. He's like, hey, you want to drive it home? He went, here's my (laughs) $75,000. Here's my. (laughs) Firstborn born child, my blood type. Hey, my... good thing you sold that
1: Scout to uh, my VP. <laughs> yeah. Well,
4: this <laughs> this actually came from a separate account. <laughs> this is an account I've had saving for this car for my most So you've months. been looking
1: for this car for a long time? I've been
4: looking for this car for a really long time. This particular guy I've actually been talking to for about three and a half years since he got the car. So he sent me a picture when he first mm-hmm. got it. And basically what he told me yesterday when he told me on the phone when we inked the deal a little about a week or two ago was he's like, I like your story. I like the fact that this, you know, I like what you do with other trucks, so I know this car is right for yeah. you. I like your story. I like how long you've waited for the right car. You didn't just buy a Charger because you wanted a Charger. You wanted the right Charger. Yeah. And by no means is it perfect. It's got dents. It's got dings. It's got That's scratches. A it's a survivor. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it is not a perfect it, car. It, it
1: earned all those things.
4: Right. But it's not rusty. It's not rotten. And it's, yeah. and it's a turnkey driver. So you know, why did you fall in love with this car? So It just told you. <laughs> no, I mean like in, in, in high school oh, you were in love I with you meant it. No, this I this car. I fell in love with this car in nineteen seventy nine. I was uh eight years old. Uh-huh. Wow. Um
0: a lot Why? of us from Was it in a movie? A lot of us. And from by the way, era. did 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 you give your dog uh, like a, a lot the hefty line of methamphetamine no. before? she's no. she
1: eating it? all of those no. no.
5: scraps. Yeah, this is this this yeah.
1: dog clearly has had Benadryl. If you've ever seen a border collie in normal uh this yeah, is calm power this, right now. This, this is, is yeah. calm, oh, dude. really?
4: Yes, very calm. She's
0: like a shark just <laughs> swimming around the uh, the studio here. Yeah, you should have
4: seen her. You should have seen her when we were at uh, my buddy Jason's place today yep. at oh, his here. shop, and she discovered the women in the office and the other
1: guys, and she was just like, ah. "Oh, really? Oh, oh yeah, this, this awesome. is the, uh, the first time. What? Yeah, I know. It's my phone, dude." This is the first time we've had a dog in the studio, so don't, nice. Uh, work
4: okay. So as a child, I grew up watching the Dukes of Hazzard. Many of us did. Sure. I love the show because it was a family show. I love the story of the show. I love. Is the this ca- Roscoe P. Coltrane's car? <laughs> no. Oh, I loved the car, but I didn't need to be the orange car. Like I love a General Lee. I think they're great cars. I have no desire to own one. Okay. I think they're a great car, but I always loved the car itself because the car was the hero of the show. The car transformed multiple times. There was a, a dark green one that was a race car once. They There was a flat black one when it got stolen. There was multiple paint job other ones and different dirt track races and stuff, but it was always the 69 Charger. It was the car. So for me, it was always the hero car when I was a kid. I, I, I didn't want to say like I looked up to the car, but the car for me is what had value. And, and my dad and I did a lot of General Lee stuff after watching that show together. When I was little, like uh, uh, we he built me a go-kart that was like a, a General Lee. I had a Pinewood Derby car that was General Lee. I had a General Lee model. I had a General Lee remote control. Holy All kinds mackra. of stuff. Yeah. But I never wanted the orange car in real life. I wanted the car, but not the orange car. So for me, it was about the car, not about the paint job.
0: So That explains it. Yeah. Okay. And and now that you have it, is uh, is, is it like a big buzzkill or are you stoked? No, I just... It was... Casey, it's in a trailer, a dude. He drove it into a trailer. What? He, but I mean, you've been lusting after this thing since you were nine. So yeah. I'm wondering, it, it, has it hit home yet, or you're like, oh, I I not it. until
1: he sees it in the Oregon sunlight outdoors, where he drives yeah. off the trailer and drives yeah. around the block for the first time. he will
4: yeah, pick my that. kids up from school. My kids were texting me already, like, did you get it yet? Did you get it yet? Did so you get that it
0: yet? they all right, all right. Now I know it's legit because the kids know. The oh, kids yeah. know how well, they knew this before. Is.
4: This was – so being a divorced dad, I have 50-50 custody with my kids, so week on, week off. Uh-huh. This is my week with my kids, and my kids said, Dad, if you don't go get the car, you know if you advertise it, it's going to be gone. So just you – need, you need to go. You need to go get your car. And so I forfeited my week with them, and they, to, to them, you know, they're selling me on this idea – and they understand, like, you know, this guy never advertises car. This car goes on Facebook, Marketplace, or Craigslist. It's gone in two hours, if that. And he probably wouldn't even have to advertise it. He could probably make a couple phone
0: calls. So this is a friend of a friend of a friend, right, or something like that?
4: He's connected in the – so if you want to make the full circle – uh Freiburger and Finnegan and, and Dulcich and those guys, right, mm-hmm. they're connected to Chris Birdsong, who's Mr. Mopar in Las Vegas. He's the one that redid the general mayhem for Freiburger once Freiburger bought it back. Okay. And took the and Hellcat out of it, returned it, it and it returned to, it back to- And returned it back to Motorhome Motor yeah. and all the cool Which, stuff. All the cool stuff that you right, have. Right, right. So, this guy and Chris are buddies. So, that's kind of how this, the circle worked. Yeah, I, yeah. buddy. Yeah. I met Chris about three years ago, and he took me for ride in his blue B five Blue Charger, and got to know him and so like that. He introduced me to this guy. We met on basically on Instagram, and then we talked on the phone. And then he told me about this car. So it's it literally is one of those humongous circles that comes back around. Who you know, who tells this, who tells that type of deal. Uh, another thing that was really funny talking about the advertising of the car. When, he, when I picked up the car, he's like, open the center console. And he's like, every time I drive this car, he's like, I save the notes of the people that want to buy it. There's like 17 <laughs> pieces of paper in so the So are you going to call them each and say, hey, no. I bought it. Hey, no, I bought it. No, but every one of the notes has a name, a phone number. I'll buy your car. Any price,
0: just call That's me. That's right.
1: You should have those laminated and uh, put them. I like, thought about you, Pia, you just should. put them
0: on a little folder or something For like sure. that. For yeah. sure. You should frame
1: them in your house of all the people that could have had that, yeah. but, but couldn't, but didn't.
0: Now, so did you, was the price the price? Was there any negotiating? Yep. Nope.
4: It, so, the negotiating was there, there wasn't any. He, I knew what the market was on the car. Uh, I've got several really good Mopar guys. He gave me the VIN. We ran the whole history on the car. I knew the value of the car before I got there, and his price was fair. The only negotiating tactic or factor was the I forged wheels that were on there and the tires and stuff like that, because that's like four or five grand for wheels and tires. And he was going to put Magnum 500 stock wheels back on it, the 15s and stuff, because that's what it should have on it. And I said, I'll pay the price. I'll drive down and get it next week, cash, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But you got to leave the wheels and tires. And he's like, you know what? That's fair. That's fair. I'll do that. So he nice. left the wheels and tires. So that was cool. I didn't get the stock wheels and tires, and that's fine with me. I don't really care.
0: Okay. So, yeah. You no. wouldn't have put them back on anyway. I'm
4: not. You would have I kept done, them, but you probably wouldn't have been running They just would have stacked in the yeah. shop. You're not a total others. purist. No, but I love that it's I mean, like I'm gonna redo the interior just because I'd like to have it nice, but it's yeah. gonna be the right color. So that's how right I wanna carpet. do it. like
1: I would have the it roached on the outside and patinaed as long mm-hmm. as it's not rusty. Yeah. And make the interior like showroom fresh.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And I wanna I wanna eventually wanna go through the motor, go through the training, go through a run, do you know, four wheel disc on it. It's got front disc, but four wheel disc. I wanna do really nice updated QA one suspension and do the exhaust and headers and all stuff like that, so that you just bump the key and go drive it, and enjoy it. But it still looks like a really old '69 car that's got its wears its
0: scars. You know, it's cool. I mean?
4: And and this cool story it was sold new in Bakersfield, California.
0: California so, car. Yeah, that's California car since yep. day one. Yeah. You pull a lot of cars out of when I was at your shop that last year. You had pulled I forgot what it was, but it was something you were really proud of. It was I think it was a Scout. Out of Southern California here, and it's it's the dry climate. I assume that just keeps them in one yeah, piece, I mean, right? California and the enthusiasts. Yeah, California, Arizona,
4: um, Southern Utah, Idaho, uh, Montana. There's you know there's a lot of worst fortune on the West Coast. We have a lot of states that are high desert, dry areas. Uh, California for sure. I mean, California has the, the car culture that no other. I, I don't I don't want to offend anybody, but there's no other state that has a car culture that's as crazy as California, especially Southern California. So for me, I mean, you know, when you buy a car like this, we go to this guy's house, there's seven chargers at his house,
1: and he had a, it was a 71, it's a clone. Here people value it so they keep it longer too, right? So you have a better chance of finding that one or two-owner car because it stayed in the family because the car culture is so strong here. Oh, yeah. Whereas other parts of the country I think people have traded them or swapped them or or sold it out. You know, California, at least in my experience where we're from, and this might be California pompousness, is that people (laughs) keep their classics, even if it's- parked it, and they don't drive it for 30 years, and it's under a tarp and 10 cardboard boxes and, a, and a, you know old garage door opener or something, uh, it's still in their garage.
4: Well, we did a YouTube video, and we had him tell the story of how this car got to him and everything else, and quite literally, this car had been parked since 1990, and he would always go by the house and go by the house, and it's still parked, and he asked if he could buy it, and the guy was older, and was like, no, it's not for sale. No, it's not for sale. Well, he finally took the approach of, look, I've got seven of these cars. I love them, all right? All I want to do is get it running and driving again so you can drive around the block and enjoy it or whatever. He's like, really? And he goes, yeah, I just want to help you.
1: Let me just come over and help you get it running and driving. It's a shame that it's sitting there. Let it be back on the oh, road where it belongs. Well, it's the a nice crazy
4: approach. The crazy thing was is he said, you know, I want to come over and help you. And the guy finally agreed to that because that was the approach of like, yeah, let's get it driving. And he, he's not going to buy it. I'm just, he's going to help me. So he had scheduled the time to come over there and help him get it running and driving, work with him, put all the parts and stuff like that on. And it was two, about two weeks out from when he was there. And before he came back over the guy passed away. Oh. So he so the 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 family who knew him said, you know, we'll say the car or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And in honor of him he got it running and driving and drove it for a couple of years in honor of this guy took to, and drove it around Southern California. He lives down here too. And then it was like, okay, ninety I need to pass it on and he contacted me. He's like, You know, I didn't think I was gonna sell this car, but he's like, I think I will. So he's like, If you're serious, let me know sooner than later. So You're all how about now? I'm serious. I said I'll be there next week. <laughs> was and it that I fast? S- yeah, I, I sent him a deposit like seven days ago.
0: And no, but I, I mean but with the time, how many minutes went by at the time he said, I'll sell it to you, did you accept it? Or did you write I, I, I like- said
4: he said I'll I'll sell it to you and I said, Great, what's the price? He told me the price and I said, Okay, cool. I said you want me to send you a deposit? He said, No, I wanna send you like 50 or 75 pictures of the car first <laughs> and after you get all the pictures of the car good and the bad i want you to call me on facetime and i want to walk around the whole car video with you i want to start it and i want to drive it down the road and i want you to go on the video and then after that if you want to give me a deposit i want you to you know give me a deposit
0: that's cool and
4: so you, you yeah it was just great guy and casey and i right afterwards i called casey and i just said hey uh so what are you doing next week <laughs>
0: He's well, a road tri- trip. I, I was trying to figure out how Casey, who hasn't said a word over here, would, would you well, will we're going to or... get him. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
5: So that's how he ended up on the trip. All right. yeah. yeah, So well, enough
1: about Ben and his muscle cars. W- when <laughs> when Ben starts
5: talking, you just you just keep quiet. Cause yeah, it's no, go he's, a, for he's a machine <laughs> over here.
1: All right, all right. Blah blah blah, Ben. All right, I just want to touch on the Scout transaction okay. just because there's a story behind the Scout. So somebody I knew that I work with has been looking for a Scout for a long time, mm-hmm. and he's not necessarily like Mr. Vintage guy. Or Mr. You know, car on like the hardcore. I'm gonna take it apart in my driveway and rebuild the engine. He's not that guy. He's the guy that wants to have a driver that he can respect and enjoy with his family. And so it takes. There's certain you know when, when you're in the business you're in. There's certain people. There's people that want a survivor. There's people that want fully restored. There's people that want rust-a-modded. There's people that want modern conveniences. There's you know uh, people like me that that buy something and then let it sit for seven or eight years. Um, hold on, I'm going yeah. back to eating your meat. No, that's the wrong, that's the wrong drop. No, listen,
3: <laughs> listen nope.
1: clearly I didn't do it enough to okay. uh, make any movement on that. So, this this customer of yours, friend of mine, yeah, said I'm looking for X Y Z, and you had just happened to have the exact vehicle that fit mm-hmm. what he wanted. It was a. Very low number of owners. The options were like this charger. Everything was checked. Everything checked. Mm-hmm. And you had you had known about this one for a while, and you were waiting for the right guy to come and and match. So here's the thing: you're like an automotive matchmaker. You're not just <laughs> like, oh yeah, I got a, I got a, you know a, a '69 whatever in the backyard. No, you're like, well, tell me about your family and and what you're going to do with it. And the idea is pass these things on because I think you look at it as I look at it, and that's you are the steward of this piece of machinery that's going to outlast you. Right. And you want to make sure it doesn't go and get flipped. You want to make sure that if somebody's adopting this kid, it's not going to be with a new family in two years because they ate all the mac and cheese every night or something like that or whatever, right? it's not
4: that I'm against people that buy and sell vehicles. That's what I do for a living too. But it, it is... You know, I, uh, we started our YouTube channel not too long ago, thanks to Casey pushing me for that forever. But
0: we started that channel mainly because- I wonder if all there was s- someone else that was up there telling you, should also do a uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, it would no, be YouTube. No, okay. Wait, yeah. Hold on. Yeah, you the-
1: can you <laughs> help? Can you help lightning? His hand is stuck behind his shoulder blade. It's like he, he can't pull it back. He's I'm having i myself? Oh. Yeah. Can you just grab his hand and then, and then stretch him back to it's the like, front? Eh, there you go. Yeah. So uh,
4: we the real reason we did that, I mean, it, obviously it helps to get our exposure and people to know who we are and stuff like that. But the real reason is, is I go to all these people's houses and I meet these guys and these gals and these kids and stuff and they tell us these incredible stories. And I generally remember most of it, but I felt like it would be re- really telling to video that and to document it so that not only for me, because I won't be here forever, But for the people that buy the vehicle, they can actually feel like they interact and met the person that was the owner and the the steward of the car. And have the provenance, have the story of the vehicle. Yeah, and then you've got, you know, we get documentation, we get paperwork. So it's like, here's the documentation, here's the paperwork, and then here's the video of the guy telling you the entire story of how he got the vehicle. And so we had that on that scout for that guy as well, and that video actually just came out the other day. And he's the guy that got the scouts already watched the video. And loved it because now he knows the whole story of his truck, what I told him, but then the real story from the guy.
1: So screw the story. That's great. pulled at my heartstrings. Love it. Tell us about the Scout. (laughs) What's special about it?
4: Uh, It's a 79 Scout II Rally. So they made about 880 of them. Oh, man. It's Tahitian red, which is a low production color. And what makes this one a little odd is most of them had a white top. This one has a painted to match top. So it actually is a red top with a red truck. Um, it also has the plaid interior instead of the vinyl interior. Which that was an upgrade. rad. Yeah, it's super rad. And what's funny about it, I think, is, is it's kind of like the Pinto wagon with wood paneling. When they had it on the lot when it was new, it was like they couldn't give it away, right? So anybody that's an old scout person or old scout dealer, if you talk to them, they're like, dude, we couldn't sell that plaid to, to save our life when it was on the lot. And now it's like the most sought-after yeah. interior that like, oh, my God, it's got plaid. I got to have it. I got to have it. And this guy who's we got it from has had it since the early 90s, and he has documentation from everything on that truck from day one to when he got it, and then from when he got it to when we got it. So to have all that and to have all the paperwork and all the books and everything like that, the stories, it's incredible. It's never been painted. The interior's never been redone. It has original carpet. It still has 30-year-old tires on it. What year is it again? 79.
0: 79, Yeah
4: and
1: uh and it was power everything right like its power brakes power steering air conditioning air conditioning bucket
4: seats 30, console uh 360 uh no it's a 345 oh 345 that's right right 345 uh 727 disc brake truck um uh, bucket
0: seats folding literally seat. everything yeah
4: and factory roll bar
0: that's and it's got bikini awesome. top so in and that condition it's uh, in the 50s 40s, high high 40s i would say it's oh, higher really?
4: than that it's lower than the the Triple or six-digit number, but it's higher than the fifty number. So I would it's say, in the seventies. I would say it's just in the middle somewhere. I don't really. I yeah, say we're not, not going to disclose happens. what
1: it is. Here's what I would say. Okay. At auction, it'd be a lot closer to the triple number. Yeah. But you're also looking at auction fees and things like that. So private party usually a little bit cheaper than what you'd see at auction.
4: Yeah, your your you your Barrett Jackson, your Bring a Trailer, something like that. They would be very close to a six-figure rig, just as what he said, because all the fees and stuff, and because of the marketing and the hype and whatnot. And we were not at that. It was not there. But that was because of. I did the same thing with this rig, literally, that the guy did for me on the Charger. It was like, it's going to the right guy, it's a fair price. And Everybody the, walks away happy. And he's the right guy for the rig. He's yeah. got three sons who want to be, you know, kind of be groomed up into the old car stuff and vintage car
1: stuff. and He take it to car meets and all that stuff. Right. and Enjoy it in Michigan and in the, you know. In yeah, the Yeah, and it's a guy
4: who and, you know, he could drive a brand new TRX or a Hellcat or a, you know, he could drive yeah, whatever, he whatever Yeah, He, yeah, he right. can do
1: whatever he wants and he
4: doesn't want that. He wants something cool with a
1: soul in it. Um, Alright, so that's cool. Thanks for sharing. Uh, but Casey is here in studio and you have a YouTube channel also? Yeah, wait, hold
0: on a second. Wait, in case he gets an intro. No, no, hold on. I'm yes?
1: building to the intro. Oh, okay. So, what is your YouTube channel? Wait, hold on. Ben, what is your new YouTube YouTube channel first? <laughs>
4: our YouTube channel and oh, our Instagram, same thing. 406
0: Garage. <laughs> all right, 406 Garage. Right, Go, go watch it. Go There's do that. Blah, blah, blah. Content, we stories,
1: market for Ben blah, blah. all the time. 406 Garage 406 YouTube. Garage. Right, I'm, right. right. I'm
5: going to mute my Ben's mic over there. Okay. <laughs> all right,
1: now, yeah. Ben, you can't talk. All right, Casey, what's your YouTube?
5: My YouTube channel is just my name, Casey Liddell. Okay. It also comes up under Cascade Heavy Rescue, which is a lot easier for most people to remember. Okay,
1: so Cascade Heavy Rescue sounds freaking rad, because Because it is. Cascade reminds me of mountains. Which they are. And snow. Which and there stupid is. people who do things that they shouldn't with vehicles and then look around and go, uh oh, what now?
5: Me. That's gonna and be And then me. that's you. Yeah. You just perfectly <laughs> describe my business.
1: Okay. Now you can play the intro lighting.
3: No. Truck tails, truck and fails, truck Truck tails, Truck Tales and Fails. Are
5: you still working
0: on that old truck? Man, you'll never
3: finish it, you stupid schmuck. Oh, yes, I will. I'll get her up and running, and then I'll cruise by, and I'll come a-revving. So come
5: on, then, and finish it up. I want to hear what
3: it took to build this truck. Well, the truck is done in all its glory. Come on, sit down. I'll tell you the story.
0: Truck tails and Fails. That's the world's right. longest intro. That's not really appropriate. We've, no, no, no. <laughs> but I, it's been so long since we did that
1: one. I forgot what it was. So, yeah. but no. So, so Casey comes in after you finish your truck, and then you go and enjoy it. And f up. I, oh, is that what happens? Yeah. So I, this is the fails part of truck tra- truck tales and fails. I yeah, exactly.
5: You. I'm trying to convince Ben for when people want to go on test drives and these Scouts and Internationals. Like, send them west from your house, <laughs> right up those Cascades, right into the snow, and just slip my business card in the glove box before they take off.
1: So Lightning just goes out and buys a TRX. He finds himself in lovely Oregon, and he goes, I'm at Ben's house having a Dr. Pepper. And he goes, I'm bored. I have to go off-roading now. And then Ben says, go west. And so Lightning, (laughs) totally truck-inappropriate and Uh trail-inappropriate, takes his TRX up into the Cascades and then falls off of a shelf road onto two wheels, nose down, butt in the air, Smashed in bumper, and now and he has oh, no winch. This no, is ugly. No Factor 55 recovery equipment at all. No, I, I called Justin, and he hooked me up. Yeah, right, I'm, but, I'm but you're by yourself because you just thought you could do it, and now there's nothing around, and you have to call Casey. Okay. All right. Now your, custom, your new customer, Lightning, calls you. What happens? What do you bring to the scene? What, what is the situation, and how much do you charge?
5: So that's where it gets really interesting is the how much do you charge. Part. Of course, <laughs> that's what everybody wants to know. and Nine times out of 10, I bring a Jeep out. It's either my Jeep Cherokee or I have a 48 Jeep Willys that's V8 and 36s and... Way too much
0: horsepower. Well, I wouldn't for expect what type of a Jeep it to show up. Why? Because I'd expect like some wrecker to pull me out. You know what I that mean? That
5: sounds super boring. And does also, <laughs>
0: not only does it sound super boring, but you're
1: obviously not the off road expert because you ended up nose down off a shelf road. So who are you to tell them what so, to bring so that out? Does I don't happen like, a lot. The, I I don't like there. the
5: picture you're painting, Holman. <laughs> I get out there and someone starts saying, well, what I think we should do is do, I'm like, you know, <laughs> your decisions led to where we're at right now. So how about I take it from here and we try to get you out of here? So I bring, it depends on what it is. Nine times out of ten, it's the Cherokee or the Willys. Uh, a lot of times I choose the Willys specifically because it's just more fun to drive. <laughs> and both of them have winches, front and rear, and a ton of recovery gear. And where I'm at, we have the huge advantage of there's usually trees everywhere. So we don't need a wrecker with a boom and all that because we the trees are our boom. Yeah, you, wear, you, you do a snatch block, or snatch pull block up a Snatch block up in a tree, tree and I yeah. can lift and pull and get whatever leverage I need and pull from two different directions with front and rear winches, and we figure out what we're going to do on the spot. Now, is, did this start as a hobby, or was it a business from the get-go? I've been an off-road and mainly a Jeep guy my whole life. My first car was a 1978 CJ5 with a 304 V8 three-speed and, you know, AMC Model 20 rear end that should not last, but for some reason does. And I was not very good at it, so we got really good at getting unstuck. And throughout the years of starting my own business, a trucking company got into heavy haul trucking which got into heavy towing and I was, I was towing big rigs and heavy trucks and all that and it sort of hit me like, why aren't I doing the stuff I like doing? You know, the the off-road, the stuff in the Jeeps, I get some calls for that and realize like, there's a huge market for this that a lot of people are missing. Do
1: the local sheriff's department and law enforcement know you and call you out for stuff?
5: So for this snow season, I set my Cherokee up on tracks. And it tires off and I put <laughs> tracks. Nice. On it. Yeah. So then I got in with uh, the search and rescue started using me for the not like serious search and rescue calls. Yeah, no, yeah. no, life search threatening and res- stuff. Search right. and rescues would get called for. Guys like Lightning who took his, <laughs> his brand new TRX out there and got stuck in the snow with no survival gear, no stuff. And he's not, like, in a life-threatening situation. Yeah, he has water he, and just, a blanket. He's just not going to be very comfortable. So Search and Rescue's not going to go Or out. driving home on his own. Search and Rescue doesn't want oh, to go out. Oh, there's the
0: picture right here. Casey Liddell on uh,
5: Instagram. And that's – Holman, look at this. Yep. Uh, there we go. Yep. With the tracks on it. Awesome. So, so search and rescue doesn't want to send their resources squad out after. Not for me. You not for my who got dumbass. stuck in the snow. No. I'm not worth and it. And you're, you're just uncomfortable. They know when spring comes,
1: you'll probably be able to drive home. Yeah, it'll be fine then.
5: <laughs> so they they want to. They I mean, if they have to, they will absolutely. But they want to save their resources for. The backcountry skier who broke their leg way up on top of the Cascade Mountains at ten thousand feet elevation and needs some major rescue—that's what they're focused on. So that's what they try to save their resources for. They'll absolutely go out to get someone. They're not who needs interested the
0: help. in a dumbass with a Subaru who thought that you know they could all my really best off-road. customers.
5: So they'll send that stuff to me, and then I'll go get the person unstuck because those are all ones where they just got to get them unstuck, drag them out of the woods, and get them back to paved road and point them downhill. And then they're fine after that. So Search and Rescue has been uh, – they, they send me a lot a lot of referrals for that type of stuff. And they do the serious stuff. So
1: when wait, they, wait, wait. How much are you charging lightning to pull them off the mountain? So – I
5: don't know. Is it my, hourly? So it is hourly. Was hourly. <laughs> <laughs> So when I started the YouTube channel, my goal was to make enough off the ad revenue of the YouTube channel that, cause I like to help people. Okay. I like off-roading. I like yeah. to help people. But you got to
1: pay for your gas. If I could do both at
5: the same time, that's where YouTube it, came in. Yeah. And uh, if I could do both of help people and go off-road at the same time, that's a win-win. So I used to have to charge people. And then as the YouTube took off, I had to charge less and less. And then the YouTube surpassed what I was making on the recoveries. And it got to where, like, this whole season, I did everything for free. No kidding. I didn't charge anyone. You
1: didn't give like a no. dumbass tax or anything like that. No, where...
5: I did everything for free for the private individual who'd be paying out of pocket. <laughs> when an insurance company ah. calls or the motor clubs or anything like that, <laughs> they're not free. So you're basically going to
0: the person saying, hey, if, if I can put you on camera, I'll comp this, right? And if they say, no, I, I, I'm I I embarrassed, I don't want to be on it, then you're going to have to charge them because you're not going to make any money. Yeah, you but can't I didn't. Show... No? You just did it anyway. Yeah. Out of the goodness of your heart. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. All right, yeah.
1: So. What are your top three recoveries?
0: Subaru.
5: No, no, not just... <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Isn't that wild? Like,
0: what is it? Can we, I know it, it's a truck show, obviously, but I went to Colorado recently. My brother has a house up there, and I've never seen... I didn't know they made that many Subarus. Like, all of Subaru just unloaded the warehouse into Colorado, and apparently the Pacific Northwest.
5: Bend, Bend Oregon is, is Subaru country, too, and... I know the truck people are not going to like this, but it, it's it's the fact of the matter is the reason so many Subarus are stuck out so deep in the woods is because they get there. Subarus get way out there; they just don't have the chassis to handle it once they do. So I find Subarus in a, in amazing places. Like when I had tires on my on my rigs, it, I used to judge how bad the situation was by asking the person, like, "What are you driving?" If like, oh, I'm in a, at a bone stock Hyundai Santa Fe. I'm like, no problem. I could take anything I have and drive right out to you. If you're like, oh, yeah, I got this uh, Toyota 2 buggy on 44s and you know triple locked and da, da, da. I'm like, oh, it sounds like you're screwed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but once this And is by a- the way, RAV4 adventure package people are right in between those two. Yeah, like the- All of a sudden, the new RAV4 came out. And they're like, oh, we got the adventure package. And all of a sudden, Good luck. those guys are freaking everywhere. You're going, wh- no. It just...
5: It, no it's not okay yeah that was a problem i had is the subaru is like oh i'm in a stock uh, you know 2020 just subaru outback i'm like oh okay i'll just i'll just take my pickup and then i'm five hours stuck in the snow myself winching and pulling trying to get to someone this year with the tracks that changed where any vehicle on tires that went anywhere and got stuck i could get to him and out so no problem so, so is
1: there typically cell reception out there do they send you like a pin like here's where i am and you're like oh crap
5: so where we are in the woods, it's all national forest, but there's a lot of really good cell service even in the national forest. And uh, if it's not good enough service to send a PIN um, in an emergency situation, uh, they can call 911, tell 911 dispatch they're calling for a GPS location for me. Oh, okay. And dispatch will ping their phone and send me the, the GPS location so I can get to where they are. Gotcha. Oh, interesting. What are you using for navigation? Google Maps. Oh, really? Yeah. Because okay. at Google Maps, you can download offline maps and ahead of time. And it's gotten into there's three very common areas in the woods around there that are my most common spots. I know them so well. Someone's like, oh, I don't, I don't know where I am. There's there's a tree with a broken branch and th- this big rock next to the road. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll be there in 20 minutes. <laughs> like, like, it's, it's got to that because people are getting stuck in the same spots.
1: So, you, yeah. So you basically have an idea of where they're at before, you know. Most times, yeah. And is it like nine times out of 10, you've pulled somebody out of that exact spot before?
5: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, so yeah, see those holes right there? Is that where you
1: him? put your signs that say, if you get stuck, <laughs> yeah. you call Cascades Cascade Heavy, Heavy yeah.
0: Rescue? Yeah. Now, so where where are these spots? Are they
5: ruts or where are the people, where, where do they keep getting hung up? So in the Cascades where we are, uh, we they call it Cascade Concrete is what they call the snow because we don't get the cold temperatures where it goes below freezing and stays there for you know weeks or a month at a time. Every day almost it gets back above freezing, but every night it gets below freezing again. So that top layer of snow it's starts ice. to melt and yeah. then freezes hard as a rock. And there's a bunch of little microclimates. Areas get sun, areas stay in the shade. So you'll be driving on top of that hard ice crust, easy as can be, and you hit an area that's warm during the day and you just sink right through. And there's different areas on the more popular roads They're, they're sinking there through then, like a foot down, like so it's just hitting the... The, the body? Exactly. What okay. happens is the tires break through, but the body and the chassis doesn't. It sits ah. on there, so it's like a turtle sitting on a fence post. The, the legs can't go anywhere because the body's sitting on the ground. Gotcha. And so a lot of times it's just I have to get there and pull them back out of those, those holes and then figure out how to get them turned around and back out. Usually turning around is the biggest issue of it. We do get the ones that are over the bank and in the trees and all that stuff, but a lot of them are just... Stuck in the snow.
0: What are the hairiest? Have there been any that you've rolled up and said, uh, uh, like, uh-oh, these people are o- going to be- Or
1: life or death if yeah. you weren't there kind of so, thing. Like, do you bring water and stuff with you and a blanket? Oh, and- yeah. I,
5: I have enough recovery gear for me and a couple other people, or not recovery gear, um, survival gear for me and a couple other people to stay in that Jeep very comfortably for quite a few days. Okay. Um, hairiest is probably more, the vehicles, I'm not too worried about the vehicles. The hairiest is one we had- um, A guy called me, said his brother had gone out by himself to go play in the snow a little bit and never came back. And they thought they knew where he was because he was gone an entire night. Isn't that police, though? You're not search and rescue. You're recovery for vehicles. A lot of people are scared to call search and rescue because they're afraid they're going to get charged, which is not- Well, well, if you
1: think about it, there's like uh, on Facebook here in Southern California, there's a recovery group, SoCal Recovery. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a bunch of those all over the country. But there's a lot of people who will get stuck, and they'll post on there and say, hey, I got stuck, blah, 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 blah. And if they can get other enthusiasts or the 4x4 club to come out and save them, it'll save them some money. Those guys love recovering, and then they don't get written up. Maybe they went in an area they weren't uh, supposed this to. It sounds like
0: uh, Desert Dogs. A friend of mine is a member of Desert Dogs out here in the Mojave. And they get when they don't want to call search and rescue, they'll go out for a tenth the price and drop down into mine
5: shafts and such. Yeah, okay. there's a lot of groups like that up in Oregon, too, the off-road recovery groups on Facebook. But there's a lot of people who are afraid to call search and rescue because they've heard of getting like $40,000 bills for a rescue, and they won't. So this guy called me. He told my brother stuck in the snow. He's he he he's been gone all night, but then today he got a call out, so I think I know where he is. Can, can we go out and try to get him? It's like, yeah, let's go. So we went out in the middle of the night, and... They didn't convey the story to me very well until we were on the way out there. So I picked up his brother. We took the track jeep out and we're going out. Like, yeah, he's been gone two days now. This is his second night out there. And when he hiked out to the top of a butte to get cell service to call, all his clothes got wet because he had nothing but tennis shoes and jeans on and a jacket. And so he had to go back to his rig and take his wet clothes off so he didn't freeze. It was going to be around zero that night. And we went 40 miles through the snow in that track jeep. And when we got out there, he was uh, in his underwear and a jacket in the back of his rig, totally frozen cold because he had no more fuel. And the jacket he had on him had ice over the top of it because he was, the condensation on his breath had just frozen it. He was so cold that we were trying to, we brought warm clothes for him. He couldn't get his hands in the gloves by himself. He couldn't, it was like trying to dress a kid. Uh, yeah. trying to put once you lose th- that
1: blood flow, you, you yeah, it's lose like uh, okay, yeah. this
5: finger goes in this glove. Yeah. Hold this, and we had to put like I have a heated jacket that we turned on once well, on the way out there. And I was realizing how serious this was. It was like this is not good. I have a heated jacket in there. We it was like battery operated, yeah. Okay, so we and heated gloves and stuff. So I turned that on, so it was warm by the time we got there. But we had to put it on him because he couldn't move enough to do. It. He was in deep into hypothermia. Then I it mean, was, that's
1: getting close to helicopter ride there.
5: Yeah, that was getting close to more than a helicopter ride. Yeah. And uh, if he'd have stayed out there that night, so when we got to him, it was zero degrees out, yeah. and he had a lot of night to go, no fuel for heat, no blanket to be warm. He was in his underwear and a jacket. That yeah. was it. And we decided then, like, we're going to leave your rig here. We're not even going to try to waste the time yeah. with getting your rig out of here. Like, we just loaded him up in my Jeep, and we just took off back for, for the truck to get him out of there. And that, ja- that heated jacket did a lot to warm him up, and then they took him to go get checked out. That was the hairiest one. It's The hairiest one, like I said, it's not so much the pulling the vehicle out thing. It's when people do get trapped in bad situations. When we get into those situations, I'll send a text to the the um, search and rescue supervisor. Like, hey, this is what's going on and this is where we're heading. That way, if uh, you get a call this way, this is the area we're going to be in. This is what's going on. And they kind of already have a heads up. Or if it's too serious, it's like, hey, you guys need to head out here too. Like, Is there any one main reason, one thread That all these people end up in
0: precarious situations or like are some tourists, but then some are seasoned outdoorsmen or is there
5: a through line, something that ties them all together? The biggest thing that causes it where we're at is Bend is a city of 100,000 people and the city limits is the border of the National Forest. It's not like like here where we're sitting right now, how far we have to drive to get to National Forest? All the drive? Yeah, yeah, all of it. <laughs> well, in Bend, you can be sitting in downtown Bend, and it'll be 60 degrees outside, clear, blue, sunny day, and you pull up on your phone, waterfall hike. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's a waterfall hike. It's 20 minutes away. Let's go check it out. And it's T-shirt weather in town. Well, it's 20 minutes away because the National Forest is right on the border. And the snow line where the it snows in town a lot, but where the snow sticks and stays for the year is... Also, right at the border of town, so it fools a lot of people into thinking conditions aren't that bad. You know, it's it's sixty degrees, and they drive off up into the snow because you make two turns, and all of a sudden you're in the snow with no no recovery gear, no survival gear, and not expecting it. We don't do a lot of recoveries on serious four wheeling guys, big built up rigs, all that, because most of them are prepared for self recovery and winches, like most off roading guys are. It's a lot of we're also a huge tourist area. A lot of people don't know the area. and It doesn't make sense to, like, someone who grew up here in L.A., it doesn't make a lot of sense of how could it be 60 degrees here and, you know, 20 degrees and two feet of snow 20 minutes away. It, that doesn't make sense. Right. And they're not expecting that. Okay. What
1: uh, what recovery gear do you rely on?
5: We use, uh, it's like I said, winches, front and rear and everything. Kinetic ropes are the most common thing we use because um, it's mostly people stuck in the snow, and uh, it's just pulling them out and... Usually, you can pull them out and get them drugged backwards far enough somewhere we could turn around. A lot of times, it's winch and pull their rig around. You have to just spin it around in the middle of the road. But kinetic ropes are 90% of what we do just to get people out of the snow, especially that track Jeep, because it can get to. I can drive someone, you know, in snow, you stay in the main ruts, and that goes out the window with the track setup. You can drive right around someone, kind of over the bank, back to their side, pull them gotcha. whatever direction yeah. you need. Recoveries are usually not that intense where you need tons of gear and all that's normally a simple pull someone out of somewhere and it's more of being able to get you haven't had
0: you haven't had someone on a rock embankment or halfway downhill where they're like they're teetering on some ledge the way he holman was uh, describing my situation oh yeah yeah we do get that future situation of course do you have to jinx me like that douche i'm not (laughs) jinxing you i'm just
1: making you aware so you don't you take your overconfidence and get stuck that's overconfidence yeah we do
0: get that i don't have Um, any overconfidence I don't. R- really?
5: Would, no. would you guys like a moment? No, no, we always do. This is our moment. You, you apparently have not heard this podcast. <laughs> to be honest, before yesterday, I'd never heard of this. <laughs> yeah. Should
0: have yeah. kept it
1: that way. All right, that's the door. We'll yeah. see you later. Thanks for coming in. Time's up.
5: <laughs> no, we do get those situations where it's a much more technical recovery. Like I said, where we have trees and it's snatch blocking off of trees and just getting a little creative with the rigging. Do you know, Holman, he has a lot of time because he does a lot of
0: driving, a lot of long distances up into the hills. Uh huh plenty of time to listen to a podcast <laughs> uh
1: do you have any to uh, recommend him joe rogan yeah great podcast See, <laughs> i don't have to listen podcast. to the radio i like micro too i don't
5: know the last time i've turned on radio or music because he has a uh, 47 Willi-
1: well he has a 47 Willys with a v8 so that's a way better sound that is than my radio anything this we're is gonna not do. a
0: radio it, you have wh- whip out your phone is it an iphone do you have an iphone no or an android oh android. you're gonna give him make whatever him give us five stars aren't you y- y- uh, yeah well not an android who cares but i am gonna do, am, do your best oh Here's it's an phone. android no oh, no i can't get in he's locked his phone i well, can't get in there well it's... no more excuses unlocked well i don't know where it is where's your podcast app i don't here? have a podcast app Did well you, you need to pay download attention your... to what was being said <laughs> no he doesn't no,
1: no. there's times we'll have guests here and he'll ask the same question twice i do i do that because it's important i want <laughs> to to cut it, I on, the show. it on Yeah, show yeah, I, I
5: don't listen to the radio when i drive i don't have any music on anything like that uh, like alone with your thoughts yeah, that's what I like. Just yeah. quiet.
1: Mine scare me, so and, uh, I have to turn up the music with at me. some point. Same with
5: like with YouTube. Like YouTube has become like the main source of income for my business. YouTube is. I'm very into YouTube from a figuring it outside the analyst. Sounds analytics like a bumper side, sticker.
1: I'm into YouTube. So but, you... but
5: I don't watch it. Like, yeah, I don't watch if, it if I don't. I don't watch it for entertainment. I'll watch. How to do if you something? If I see a channel that's or... working really well, I'm. I'm I watch it. it. Doesn't matter really what the genre. So you or sound what it's like about. Mr.
0: Beast. Do you follow Mr. Beast?
5: I've tried to watch his... He's, he's for 14-year-olds, yeah. I've never tea, made but... it through an episode, and it's not because... It's, it's just not for me. Like I said, yeah. his his stuff is geared towards entertainment.
1: By the way, can, Those... it is. Uh, can we just say that uh, Matt's Off-Road Recovery, who we've tried to have on the show, and Matt's too shy, and he's like, uh,
5: nah, I'm not really interested. Uh, you guys are actually friends. Yeah, yeah, I'm friends with Matt. And uh, we've spent some time down there, been in a few of his videos. Are and... you in the same legal troubles that Matt is? No, he's not in any legal I'm troubles just kidding, anymore. All cleared up. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm good friends with Matt. Um, and like I said, I'll watch Matt's videos because obviously what he's doing works. Right. It's like in, in our genre. How many subscribers off- does he have now? He's just over a million. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And he he's <laughs> like the king of our genre by by a mile. Right. 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 And, and so he's been doing how many how many years longer than you? Uh, I think he's in year three or wow. four. Wow. That's a okay. big yeah. and and big he's business. doing
0: what a uh, v- how many videos a week? Three. so it's 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 just like podcasting. I mean, it, it, everyone you know Holman's been asked a hundred times, same same as me. And they're like, "Hey, I'm gonna start a podcast." You know, I it sounds easy. I'm just gonna sit in front of a mic. I'm like, it is until you're five episodes in, and now yeah. it's work. Yeah. So yeah. pod fade, it's the same rated. thing. Like
1: I, so, everyone, pod
5: fade, YouTube fade, whatever it's called. And so and it's a another job.
0: It
1: literally, it literally
5: is a job. YouTube it's, is the same thing. YouTube's yeah. turned into my job, and it was the same thing. Of it was really easy when I first started because I didn't know what I was doing. Not that I do now, but. I now know what I should be doing, and right. now well, it's the it's reason I brought it to like I just filmed some stuff and throw up a video, and now it's like okay, so let's look at analytics, let's study some stuff. Ooh. Now we got to watch why this channel works, we got to watch why this channel doesn't. So, work. So
0: this is why I brought up Mr. Beast, and you guys listening, the chances are slim that you've heard of. Although your your kids all know who Mr. Beast is, he's got I think he's cracking like he's close to hundred million subscribers. Yeah, right. He, he's, he, so he's, he's I think he's up in like PewDiePie. He's an territory, incredibly
5: right? smart person. So, and, but he
0: studies YouTube like he yeah. understands human behavior he's studying psychology of it and and so you're you become a student of of youtube
5: right i'm trying to be i'm not a great student but i am a student of youtube yes so i i I study channels that's the only reason i watch youtube or for information like if i need i want to know something about something or how to do something i'll i'll look for a youtube video on it but as far as just purely for entertainment i i don't it so let me ask you this
0: what is matt's off-road recovery channel on YouTube doing right. Why does he have a million subscribers? What is it about that channel in your estimation?
5: They put on a great show that anybody of any age can enjoy. They have a cast that works very well together and a cast, they're a team. They have a team. They're much more than just a cast of people who are put together to work together. They're a team that works very well together and they're genuine. How they many recoveries done. are you doing a day? Uh, in the winter busy time, I can do three four a day. Oh hey, wow! Mackerel. Why yeah. are so many people? You don't even stuck? drive
1: back to town, do you? You just you're no. Sometimes yeah. I don't. Yeah. Just all right. You're or, unstuck, or the... Next
5: guy. How it usually works is I just get home and get a call to go right back to within like a hundred feet of where I just was. Oh. that's how it usually. And you're like, works. I was just there.
1: Yeah. By the way, uh, what tracks are you using on the XJ?
5: Uh, it's a ZJ.
1: <laughs> oh, it's a ZJ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's oh. a
5: ZJ, and it's the. By the uh, way,
1: ZJs are rad.
5: They're the American uh, track truck dominators. Okay, and. I chose those because they use all snowmobile parts. Yeah. Every part on them so is So easy a to part. find replacement so pieces. So using them the, for what I'm yeah. using them for, not just recreation. If, if I need something, I can walk into a snowmobile shop yeah. and walk out with it And right you there. can easily
1: replace the tracks with a different tread pattern if you want exactly. to. Exactly. Well, pick right whatever
5: there. tread pattern, bigger paddles, yeah. more of a street tread, whatever I want to do there. So that was my big thing with them is there's no downtime because you can get the parts anywhere.
1: Yeah. Uh, That makes a lot of sense. Uh, If you guys want to find uh, Casey on Instagram, it's at Casey Liddell. It's one word, C-A-S-E-Y-L-A-D-E-L-L-E, and then also for YouTube. YouTube
5: is the same, Casey Liddell.
1: I think we can get you up to 100,000 followers after about uh, 10, within 10 years of this
5: episode
1: (laughs) airing, we get those extra 10,000 I'm going to hold you to that. Yeah, come back in 10 years, and we'll, we'll see where you're at. Can we just claim your next 10,000 followers as ones that we did?
5: Oh, yeah. Okay, I've at it.
1: All right. Okay. All right. Do,
5: can we have a commission? You can claim my last <laughs> 90,000 if you want to. That uh, clearly to
1: was Ben, though, so I don't want to you know, yeah. steal his thunder. Did you turn Ben's mic I'm back on? I am turning Ben's right. mic down now, can you yes. talk again.
5: Was it painful not talking, Ben? No, I'm good. I'm good. So I, I've been stuck in a truck with Ben for the last uh, two days, Yeah. And
1: can I ask you That was you a the question?
5: longest patch.
1: <laughs> well, hold tell on. Them the, tell them how <laughs> it's You were in an air-conditioned, brand-new Ram 5500 chassis cab towing a trailer. Yes. Which, which is right, right, But with, with Ben. Yeah. And it's a crew cab. Yeah. Right now, you're in a 10 by 12 and a half foot room that's padded with no AC, four dudes and a dog. <laughs> how is this any better? <laughs> so I was thinking- Maybe he wanted to get out of the truck, and now I think he's thinking, I want to get back in the truck where it's actually more comfortable.
5: Truck is way more comfortable. I've been in it. This is a talk show, and it's quieter in here than in that truck. <laughs> <laughs> is that because of Ben's
0: uh, mic being turned off? Did you get out of the, uh, the 5500 and say,
5: that was awful. I mean, that was, they, that was awful. <laughs> Yeah, Ben hasn't seen the videos I've been filming yet. Well, take a break.
1: <laughs> well uh, again, uh, Casey Liddell on uh, on YouTube, If you can see him next week. Right. We did.
5: did you shoot the trip or no? Yeah, so yeah. what I'm doing on this trip, like I said, it's more of a vlog. So I normally post four videos a week, and it's whatever I'm doing. Like uh, a customer of mine bought a, a concrete mixer in an auction in Las Vegas. I flew down and drove it back to Oregon, sight unseen. They bought it sight unseen. That's awesome. I made a video about that. Uh, I hope
1: it's... the title for this video is, We Recover Vintage 69 Charger. And then people will think it got stuck in the snow, but really it's just you with Ben coming down to pick up. No,
5: it. Well, that, that video is already posted. Oh. And it was way better. We, no,
0: it's We Made a
5: Podcast Listenable
0: is, is the title of this episode. We
5: Rescued the Truck Show.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, <laughs> that's
5: better. Yeah, so my videos are more like just a vlog style. So for this trip, what I've been doing, which was a terrible choice, and the fact that I said it in the first video and left it in there was that's very stupid decision. But I said, on this trip, I'm going to film... Basically, a vlog every single day and post it the next morning.
1: Oh, yeah. That so, is a dumb choice. That's a bad idea. That that's a, us a, yeah. at SEMA doing the show <laughs> yeah. audio only, and
5: it's, and it's so, horrible. And, it's, and, yeah, it's up till 2.30 a.m. every yeah, morning. Yeah, so that's what I've been doing. I've been filming every single day, try to edit it before I go to bed at night in the motel, and first thing in the morning, post what happened the day before.
0: It's like just the transfer time of the file over your laptop and then uploading yeah. and all that no, stuff. Well, like I, and, and the Wi-Fi in the hotels. Did, did you, you, you hear thrilled? the part where I said terrible idea? Yeah, yeah. Dumb. Dumb.
5: <laughs> I'm learning yeah. lessons.
1: Well, I think a terrible idea was coming on the show also. So I think that's two bad life decisions in the last 24 hours. <laughs> to be I, think the worst <laughs>
4: I think the worst decision is when we first started the trip because we both were so...
5: There's Both of us should have not gotten a truck in Yeah, pleasure. you haven't heard why this trip was such a disaster yet from no, the beginning. No, I haven't. Oh, t- no, so do go go tell. Okay, so on Friday, we left Monday morning. It's Tuesday right now in podcaster land, so... Yeah, so on... Timeline: On a Friday, I was working in my shop and got hit in the face by a tool and knocked out two teeth and oh. fractured my jaw. Is and, that why you're talking weird? Yeah, and knocked, Jeez, out, a, knocked out
0: a chunk of my jaw. Why blown. do you talk
1: high pitches or the dog chewing on your nuts right yes, now? Yes, yes. I'm <laughs> just only
0: busting balls because he said that. Come on, Dick. I'm having fun with him.
1: So I had to have. A, he has a, like a huge medical emergency, and yeah, you're just mocking him.
5: That's okay. It's what we do. Him. So <laughs> I had to have emergency dental surgery and have a bone graft done for the chunk of bone that got ripped out with the teeth. Oh, oh my god! Still so all the teeth. That was Friday. We were supposed to leave Monday morning. I'm trying. To, I have two days of recovery from this. My face is swollen up like I got a golf ball in my mouth. Monday morning, it's two thirty in my house in the morning, and I'm trying to leave my driveway. I'm sitting at the gate, going, "Do I open it or just go back to bed?" Like, I should just go back to Ben. I should not go on this trip. This is a terrible idea. And then I get to Ben's house, and he can't even stand up or walk because he pinched a sciatic nerve the night before. Yeah, he said he crawled across the floor. Oh, yeah. So all weekend, I didn't call him because if I had to talk to him, I would have said, there's no way I can go. So I was just trying to hopefully by Monday morning, I'd be able to go. If he would have called me at any point over that weekend and asked if we're still on, I said, not a chance. Like, I'm done. Then on Sunday, when he pinched a sciatic nerve and threw his back out, he purposely did not call me and did not check in with me that we are still going, because if he did, he'd have said, like, I can't go. So we show up Monday morning. How and much bo-
1: driving did you do of Ben's truck?
5: <laughs> None. Oh. No, no Ben drove cause, mainly because he couldn't get out of the driver's seat. L- <laughs> I love it. We have uh, we have a studio full of cripples here, Holman yeah. and I included. <laughs> yeah, so it was like a, neither one of us should have gone on this trip. It was both of us wanted to cancel so bad. Um, I didn't want you to You realize cancel. you're
1: only really 50% done, right? Like, you still have to go back. We got the car. Okay. That's the important yeah. part. Yeah, yeah. I
5: didn't want to cancel... When I told Ben I'd go and he didn't want to cancel on me after getting me to go on this whole trip. So it was like, we were trying, we were both going because we didn't want to let the other guy down. But if we had known each other's situation, this would have never happened.
4: Yeah. So Monday, 16 hours, 983 miles. And we both should not have been in the truck that long. And you know how wonderful the California highways are. Oh.
0: oh! Lovely! No No, 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 no washboard!
1: No no, no! no potholes! You need to no. go to Michigan more often because California ain't bad. Well,
4: I would not want to go to Michigan in a fifty-five hundred with nineteen. L.A. Fives.
1: Now, L.A. County <laughs> sucks, but if you get down to Orange County, we're much much, much better. better okay. Much better, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, the four hundred
4: five was... where you're going, it's just every eleven feet. <laughs> rah, 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 yeah, uh-huh. Seesaw back yeah. and forth, and then yeah. you put a trailer on the back, and you know, it's just it's all kinds of fun. So,
0: but the trailer yeah. on the back actually should add some weight and smooth it out a little bit, no? Truck's too long, you have to put weight oh. in the trailer first. So if on the way down was the trailer's empty. Out, I would never drive that truck down here without a trailer.
1: That's kinda <laughs> like that uh, thirty five hundred you have lightning with that uh, lift kit and tires. Yeah. It's a little uh, it's a little bouncy. Was, uh, a little, I, little I, bouncy. I went for riding it and I was like, This is not good. This is, I would not buy this truck and do these mods to it. Yeah. yeah.
5: Yeah. After that trip down here and all the highways we've driven, I'm really starting to see why the long travel pre-runner trucks are so popular down here.
1: <laughs> yeah. Because For <laughs> daily like, driving. Yeah. It's, it's like, a, a all these guys the do over. is
5: drive them up and down the highway. It makes perfect sense <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and we
1: were exactly. both driving
4: around and there's so many people that have these, uh fancy you know what we, you call them the bro dozers right these yeah. big big huge wheels and these little rubber band tires and then you got all these cars with these tiny little tires how do those wheels and tires survive on these highways they, how do those they vehicles don't. not get destroyed they don't are they the do. wheel and tire places around here just no. making money hand yes. over fist yes. no when you say destroyed, there's not that many potholes like there isn't i mean dude i have been here for a day and a half and we just about killed each other screaming about your roads going down the highway and there's cars they're your roads, th- by the way. You hear yeah, your, your roads. I,
0: I'm, I'm driven 100%. you 100. I don't live
1: up here, so I don't claim them as my. And own. the other
0: thing is, my whole d- life has been spent on 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 40 series tires or skinnier. In, in Southern California, you could totally do it. Just avoid the stuff. You'd see I understand. The, okay. There's potholes. You go around and it. You know. I have one other question too
4: about that. Why ev- is everyone in Southern California refer to every highway or every exit as the four hundred five, the, so the one for sure. the, the, the yeah. one fifteen exit, the 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 the. Yeah, what?
1: because they are their own living, breathing uh, entities. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that
4: so that like exemplifies the quote: "Everything in California is weird, and everything in California is a law."
0: No, no, that's not true at all. No, okay. no, I don't think so. No, what do you call the? You said the fifty-five. Oh, that was, sorry, that was we were talking about to factor fifty-five, and that's how they came with the fifty-five, right? Right. The highway. Um. So what do you call the? What do you, what do you in call Penn? Interstate
1: Five in Oregon? I five. Yeah, I-5. We, we call I five, I five here too. Yeah, not really. It's not the the, five. We, it's the, the five. five. we we heard everybody the say five.
4: the five
0: while we've been here.
1: Well, by the way. Poor life choices again because the five sucks.
0: <laughs> yeah. Beyond, there's yes. some other
1: roads that you can be on, at least in this part of the Well, they,
0: uh, I say, mean, originally when, when my dad came out here in the 60s, it was the San Diego Freeway, the whatever right. freeway, right? Yeah, because they all have names. And now they
1: have the Golden State Freeway. But no one Garden ever Europe says freeway. that. It's the
0: five, the four, five. Because it's been, been shortened five. over
1: time to yeah. just what the number is. So you take the name and the interstate or the highway number, you merge them together for shorthand and become but, the. But whatever. people
4: even say the, like, the exit, whatever the exit is. You know, you're gonna you're gonna take the this because there aren't the. two of them. It's
1: that's the one.
4: <laughs> you're gonna, it's just you're, ironic like, to the me. Englewood it's exit or something. Yeah, the exit. Or you're you're, you're gonna take the 117 exit, not exit no, 117. Well, by the how way, do you no know one.
0: you're doing it right if
4: you are doing it wrong? No I would.
1: I hold on. I would. I would. Uh, I would like to uh, use this exhibit in our defense that we have more roads, off ramps, and freeways than anybody. So, I think we're doing it the right way, and you all are doing it the wrong way. Very possible.
4: But Casey lived here at one time, so I was going off of some of the stories he told as
0: well. Where'd you live? Were were you aware of the 909? No. Well, then you lived When did you live here? In the very Uh,
5: early 90s? 2012. I lived here for six months. We lived in uh, Westchester for a couple months, and then the Marina del Rey for I just said the Marina del Rey Yeah, you sure yeah. did. And Marina <laughs> well, del Rey for It's like you're for, back for living a, here again.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's just that, all coming back well, to Well, me. hold on. By the way, it. I don't call it the Huntington. Okay, what? and we don't and despite TV shows, we it's never called the it the OC. DOC. nobody calls that it that. happened that happen
0: on the television show VOC? Yeah. And, and and who did that and why? I don't know, but that angered a lot of people yeah. when they did that. And it's it can't it will never go away. It's always VOC. And by the way, No, no, it's not VOC. No, no, no. Listen to me. I grew up in Orange County and we always we lived in OC. In
1: OC, we, we never called the The OC.
0: It was never the. Ever. And when that television show came out, that's how you can tell somebody's not from Orange County. I understand that, but it it even people who who now grow up in Orange County call it the OC because of that television show. The old schoolers like us don't, but all the new kids call it the OC. I don't think so that. I don't think that show had that they much influence. They say they live in the OC, My Dude. kid doesn't. Dude, I answered telephones for fifteen years at the radio station. Where do you live? The OC. Where in the OC? I refuse Anaheim. to acknowledge that. Well, it, it's it's real. It's real. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> and and we don't. And the off ramps, by the way, they're not one seventeen. Whatever. It's always I'm oh, getting off on Hawthorne. Here's the I'm reason why i will tell whatever. you on whatever.
1: Yeah. Because we just added those numbers like five or eight years ago. They were always just a road. They were always a road. We okay. never had those exit numbers. Okay, that in, makes sense. until. Like maybe maybe ten years ago, yeah. But California, uh, Southern California, we never had exit numbers,
0: and so it was always people don't even know where they are. They have no. Yeah, we don't use
1: exit numbers. Like I was, I was always amazed traveling when they go take exit to forty five. It B. makes
0: sense, and you're like, but "Well, what? we never Where? had that. We never yeah. had exit numbers, so we would always, it was always road take name. the street. Yeah. It was always yeah. the road yeah. name. It's so confusing when I go to like Salt Lake or you know Provo or all. The, it's always like, don't even B street, start me on Utah because B, B Street, they have West street and, and, yeah, yeah and 1800. West 18th already yeah. 600 yeah, Southwest, and oh, it's a grid system that I cannot. It, I need an abacus. I can't, I can't, I can't figure wrap it my out. head around it
4: ever. It's I if I didn't have Google Maps when I go there, I am so screwed. I can't find anything. You just have to call me.
1: Yeah, the <laughs> navigator. It sent him a, a GPS. Uh, I dot. told
4: him when we were down here towing a trailer, driving the truck around here and so like that. I would have been a complete stress case if I was by myself trying to find Google Maps. Like he sat there and did the uh, the rally car
1: navigation. You know, that's way he, better than English voice on the computer. Yeah, having it is. Casey yeah. sit next to you and tell you what's up. Yep.
5: No, because any a- English voice actually tells you what's going on. Casey goes, no, no, that was the turn back there. <laughs> yeah. Why? No. Why did you? That'd be that?
1: awesome if you could do like a Google overlay where it was like ten seconds too late. And all the directions were the things you've missed? Time delay. Oh, it'd be awesome. Right? I, I that's just, what
0: I, that's that, why I don't use Google. I only use Apple Maps because Google drives me crazy. It's yeah. Google, for me, is always after the fact. That is a genius there's, idea There's too an much app. latency. An I'm app telling app that you, delays Google delays, Maps on someone's yes, phone. Yes,
1: I think it would be awesome. I think that's especially a million-dollar idea right, especially right if you can, there. Especially yeah. if you could um, install without them knowing. All right, turn yeah. in your
4: resignation and yeah. just go just a it on a Google plug-in. Startup. Let's some people. Well,
1: on that note, guys, I've got to get out of here. you got to get on the road, and I'm going to go make a million-dollar mess Exactly. People's Google. Yes. Thank you, gentlemen.
0: Okay, damn. All right, well, this uh, episode seems to be maybe the longest one we've done in uh, recent memory. All right, well, then let's do uh, quick news before we head on out the door. What's new in trucks?
2: We need to know.
0: What's new in trucks?
2: We need to know.
0: What's new in trucks? We
2: need to know. know.
0: Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks?
1: Oh! beautiful hey lightning did you hear
0: what no what no what no no i did not
1: uh well if you had been listening this episode's past two hours and it's time for us to wrap the show <laughs> so
0: i'm thinking we will save the news for the next time all right that sounds like a plan lots of news on the next show truck show Podcast at gmail.com please contribute an email so we can read it next show the truck Show the truck show the truck
1: show. Oh, oh. And you can catch us on the socials at LBC Lighting at Sean P. Holman at Truck Show Podcast or hit us up on the five star hotline. We want to hear from you 657 205 6105. That is 657 2 with a zero and a five. 6-1 and it's
0: down to 0 and a 5 that's hard to understand when you say it like that 6-5-7-205 and 6-105 5 star hotline call us ok so we need to thank Nissan we gotta thank Banks and then everybody for tuning in and listening to our recovery episode
1: and all of the guys who came by tonight uh, this is the first time in the history of the show we've had 5 beings in this room at once is that true? I think so We've never had more than two other cats, right? Yeah, because... We, well, and we, we had a dog. We
0: definitely have not had a dog, that's for the sure. Do, the dog, for sure. We have had a but we haven't had a dog. We, we, do we have a no-cat policy? we got to yes, have a no-cat no cat policy. policy yeah, sorry. Cats suck. Uh, I mean, right. they're okay. I've had a couple. No. Never again. No, I'm not a cat person. No cats allowed in our studio. Nah. I know we have a couple listeners with cats, and... You guys can stop listening. Tangent. Tangent. <laughs> Easy lighting. All right.
1: Before you uh, scare away all of, our, uh, all of the rest of our listeners who uh-huh. are barely hanging on to the show as, uh, as we move on in life.
0: I haven't, uh, they, they haven't tuned out because they hate <laughs> me so?
1: Yeah, well, no, they tune in because they hate you. Oh. It's uh, just, it is fun to hate, isn't it? Just listen to the emails. Yeah. Oh,
0: Truckshowpodcast.gmail.com. No. Are there more emails that, that hate? I mean,
1: they're fun. <laughs> they're fun. <laughs> all right. Uh, what I don't hate is Nissan trucks. Oh, heck So uh, no, you guys, no. build and price over at NissanUSA.com or head on down to your local dealer where you can check out the Nissan Frontier,
0: the Nissan Titan, the Nissan Titan XD. What if I want zero gravity seats? Uh, all of them have it. What if I want Utilitrack? All of them have it. What if I want a Fender audio system? All of them have it. What if I want a five-year, 100,000-mile warranty on an incredibly durable, full-size pickup truck? That'd be the Titan and Titan XD lighting. Mm-hmm. I'm I've just the I'm bell ring the bell. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, you're listening to this on a uh, high-resolution uh, uh, Fender audio system, and you can hear the uh, the lingering of the bell as it uh, trails off into the distance. Much like I want to do in a uh, Nissan pickup truck as I drive fast away from the studio into my new life and miles, hundreds of miles, thousands of miles away. Do you think people think this show's ending after all of our funny? <laughs> no, guys, we're, we're just kidding. Gonna we're go we're still track. here. All right, Nissan trucks, awesome, durable, reliable. If you're in the market for a truck. Check them out.
0: And if you want more power out of your full-size diesel pickup truck- What if I just want uh, lower EGTs? Well, you need to check out a Banks intercooler. How about denser air charge? Banks intercooler. Uh, what if I have
1: a factory intercooler already, but I keep blowing boots and my end caps are plastic
0: and cracking? You need one with really nice cast aluminum manifolds from Banks. Uh, from who? Banks Power. For what truck? Your
1: Ram, your Ford- Your Duramax? Do you have one of those cool little drop-down thingies on your uh, internet site where I could uh, tell what I have? Do you mean
0: a vehicle lookup? Sure. Yes, we have one of those.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, all you guys out there, lots of great products for your truck. Head over to bankspower.com where uh, you can uh, peruse intercoolers and a whole lot more.
0: I'm so glad we talked about recovery tonight. It doesn't count towards a toe-asode, I'm just letting you know. Oh, well, that was a wasted episode. (laughs) The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Motor Trend Group. This podcast was created and produced by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis, with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five star rating. And if you're a fan of the Truck Show Podcast, we encourage you to visit and patronize our sponsors.
2: You're still here?